Mescalero. As you probably know by now, you're listening to a podcast. Give a chance for some of the unique stories out there um, to be heard and, if anything, inspire our community. Welcome, ladies and gentlemen, to another episode of Riding on the Wall podcast. I go by the name of Chris Frizzell. Of course, we have Blue Shindu in the building, and today we have a special guest. Give it up for Joshua Cox, ladies and gentlemen. How are you doing? How you doing, Josh? Good, man. Good. Well, um, today we are discussing a very, very, uh, I don't know if it's like I would, I would say important or just a high level of interest for me. But it's something that has to do, I guess, along the lines of mindfulness. Um, and I guess we can kind of discuss like some other topics that you might be interested in, too, that you've uh, been kind of waiting for a platform to speak on. I don't really know entirely what your interests are, but um, definitely want to keep the, the platform open today to whatever awesome. you feel like you want to talk about. Awesome. Um, can you uh, tell us where you're from, Josh? Yeah, so I'm originally I'm from Dallas. Um, moved here when I was really young, so grew up in Tularosa. And if anybody doesn't know, uh, Tularosa is just south of where um, Blue and Chris are from, Mescalero. So just barely south of there, 10 minutes probably. Okay. Um, so how did you end up coming from um, Texas over to New Mexico? So, yeah, that's an interesting one. I really don't know the whole story, man. Really, my grandparents were kind of like hippies, nomad- <laughs> nomadic. And they landed here. I don't know. My grandpa was like a musician. He was traveling through here play playing with some people and then my grandma ended up here and then my mom was just trying to get away from the city city life grew up kind of in the in the hood of dallas and wanted to get away and ended up coming down here man so we're pretty small pretty small little family just landed in tularosa dang that's that's crazy um small family traveling like that and you guys starting out you kind of like building new roots here i guess in tularosa um so you've kind of just grown up here in tularosa yeah yeah absolutely i've been here I mean, I started kindergarten here, so I like to say I'm, I can't say I'm born here, but I'm definitely raised here for sure, so. What year did you graduate high school? Oh, three. Oh, three, yeah. Yeah. Um, you said your grandfather was a musician. Yeah. Yeah, my grandfather actually hitchhiked, landed here, hitchhiked from uh, the D.C. area. <laughs> and walk, yeah, walked all the way here. That's pretty cool. Yeah, yeah, pretty pretty interesting dude. <laughs> <laughs> did uh, did he inspire? I mean, I guess we'll put it out now. Um, if anyone doesn't know you, um, you're a part of a band, right? Yeah, that's correct. Yeah. Let's let's give a shout out to the band. What's the title of the band? Yeah, shout out to the band Sancho and the Side Piece. Yeah, <laughs> wow. that, Sancho and the Side Piece. Yeah, yeah. how'd that name come about? So that started with uh, Rhiannon. She's you know our front lady, singer, guitarist. Um, it was her myself and another guy so it originally started as a three-piece so that made, <laughs> made more sense then but the, the name just got so much attention and reaction that that we like we like to to hold on to it so we made the decision just to keep it going like that that's pretty awesome do you guys do cover songs or do you have your own some of your own songs so yeah we got a lot of cover songs i guess the bar would bar and uh festival scene would require you know yeah and uh we, we write a lot too we're constantly writing songs that's awesome. So, do you think that our what got you into wanting to like start a band? Was it your grandfather? He influenced you. 
So I'm actually lucky on both sides. My m- mom's side and my dad's side are both musicians. Oh, wow. Um, my brother's a really good musician. I kind of was in his shadow for a long time. And then, uh, man, we just I just started, was always playing. And then Rhiannon, who's a really talented singer, really talented guitar player, um, you know, her and I started dating and songs just started coming about. And it was like, man, we got to start adding people to this. And uh, for those of you who don't know, Tularosa is probably about, now it's probably about 3,500 people here. And man, there's so many musicians here. Oh, really? It's unreal. I mean, there's... There's five, probably five solid bands, like, you know, bands that are active right now just from Tularosa. I didn't even know that. Um, the town yeah. the town's so small. I can't even imagine five bands here at all. But um, what's do you guys, like, collaborate at all? Do you talk to the other bands? I'm always, like, curious about that. Man, so and that's funny. Literally, uh, you guys can't see this, but uh, Chris and Blue can cross a dirt lot here. Mm-hmm. The guy just walks across the street on Tuesdays and comes and gives me guitar lessons. Oh, wow. So that's the instrument you play? Um, I play guitar, primarily bass and guitar. Um, I like to dabble in everything. I like to say I write all my songs on guitar, then oh. I just kind of give them to the band. It's it's difficult to do. Um, I mean, I tried teaching myself guitar, and I'm, I'm not good by any means, but um, to write your own music, you have to have like a real um, strong sense of how music is put together right. um i don't i don't know if you study like theory or anything like that um but i just i don't know how you do it and that that's where like the you know people may look at it weird because i mean i've been playing music for you know probably like 17 years now and i still take lessons mm-hmm. but it's more of understanding the theory and the language of music yeah and just like ever evolving yeah you know just keep keeping working on your tools constantly and so you know, going back to what you said about, like, band collaborations and stuff, we all, like, consider ourselves, like, brother and sister bands. Mm. I mean, we all play for each other. So if somebody drops out from another band, has something where they can't make a show, I'll fill in. We, all, I mean, guys fill in for us all the time when people can't make it. It's. I had no no clue about this, like, dynamic that bands have from from um, the same, like, hometown. Because right. uh, we int- we interviewed uh, Danny Ward and Shane Catazzini. Yeah, yeah, I love those guys. Yeah, so they're in different bands, and I asked them the same exact questions. Um, because in my mind, I don't know anything about bands, but I was kind of like curious, like, do you guys like, get along? Are you guys do you guys consider each other the competition or stuff like that? But everyone seems to have like the same, like you're from the same hometown. But for me, you know, like I was I was saying to you earlier, music, like my my entire life is, is music is very important to me, and I can see how music can bring people together instead of create like enemies you know right and i think you know one thing that people maybe don't realize until you start talking to other people is the different ways that music affects people i myself like i'm personally i would say i always joke around say i'm cursed by music because i'm always overanalyzing the content Mm -hmm. as opposed to some people who maybe have no aspirations of performing music they just enjoy it enjoy it for the content right and like you know we talk about different genres of music all the time but everything affects everybody differently right and i mean i i, I joke around and roast people about their music you know in a yeah. funny way but in, in all seriousness you know you don't know what music has done for them and what type of music they listen to has done for them what you say right there kind of like hits me deep because um people have always made fun of me because i listen to like weird like crybaby music right and i'm not really like embarrassed about it that's just like what i like i like hearing like um like slow like kind of like rock but i really enjoy the acoustic guitar someone with an acoustic gu- guitar and a good voice right. you know 
and I'm not like fun in that way because I don't listen to like pop songs and party songs. Right. Like when you get in my truck, like that's not not what you hear. Uh, I'm not part of like when new music comes out on um, like your your hip hop station stuff like that. I mean, I do like all forms of music, but I'm just more intrigued by like like you said, like how it makes you feel, what it's done in your life, and so I have like all these old songs that people don't even like from my, my family right. that's no longer here or something and those songs I still hold close you know and I think that that has that affects you in both ways especially like you touched on like the family thing um people ask me all the time like why don't you like this music and sometimes it'll remind me of something I don't want to remember exactly and I'm like I don't want to remember that yeah but also I have this crazy obsession and anybody will tell you who's close to me like I have an obsession with popular music not in the sense that I listen to it but in a sense that why are people so drawn to the formula of pop music mm -hmm. and there's an actual formula behind it mm -hmm. you know and it and, and record producers and big music companies they understand not only music theory music formula but they know what's going to work mm -hmm. you take like you take a, like the modern country scene i mean song modern country scene and it all like has this clap beat or this snap beat where there's a snap involved which is really just like a, a metronome, basically, but it's catchy. And yeah. people buy into it, and there's something about that rhythmically that hits people. Yeah. And, I mean, I don't know if that would be, like, you know, comparable to any, like, traditional music or anything, but there's something, there's some sort of formula that affects people yeah. musically. And learning music theory, like, now taking really and understanding music theory, there's an interesting thing that they talk about is the, that music's a vibration as it travels through the air. Yeah. Mm -hmm. And, you know, when you stop the music, you know, if there's a vibration through the air, it's going through you at some point. Yeah. You know, just because it's, that's the science of it. And that's really interesting. A really interesting concept. And it is. Being a DJ, I've, I've saw examples of that. Like, a certain song will make people act a certain way, feel a certain way. Like, I love playing, when I DJ, I love playing, like, um, a lot of earth, wind, and fire. It puts people right. in a happy mood. It gets people, like, in good vibration. I noticed for some reason, have you heard that song by the Migos, uh, Walk It Like I yeah. Talk It? Yes. For some reason, that year when that song was popular, every time I played it, a fight happened. Like, huh. like a couple minutes after that, it was weird. Like, <laughs> at the fireworks, I played it. And, like, five minutes later, a fight broke out. Wow. Same thing in Club 49. I played I'm like, I, I need to stop playing this song because <laughs> it's making it's pissing people off or something. Uh, you, I don't have, know if it was just a coincidence or what. Have you ever, I'm curious about this too, especially you being a DJ, have you ever noticed anything where you combine a song and lighting combination that affects people? Yes. Yeah. Yep. What, when I, when I uh, change, change it to country, I like to, uh, I put the lights toward all blue. Gotcha. And it, it kind of calms, it kind of slow those people. It mellows people's out, I guess. Yeah. And they 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 slow down. Whenever I get it back to like line dancing or like fast music, I'll put it bright orange or back to the the, the red stuff. Right. And it, it just it it works better that that way. That's crazy how like yeah. like color and sounds and and things like that like make you feel. And I like I like paying attention to stuff like that too because I want to know like what I can do to manipulate my own mind and how I perceive things. Um, so like I struggle uh, with with colorblindness. Like I have these glasses right here with me right. that I just bought um, to help me with with color and like feeling and stuff. And I've, when I first put them on, I was like, "Well, oh, this this is cool. Everything just seems like a little bit more clear." But the moment I saw red and pink, there was a weird feeling that it put in like into my body. Like I almost got overwhelmed because those colors seemed so rich, and it was like it was like my mind had never registered that depth of red and pink before 
that richness.、Wow. And so it made me feel funny. I almost wanted to take them off because I didn't know how to, how to perceive that emotion that I got from seeing those, those colors, you know? I wanted to ask you about that. So,、uh, have you always been like, like you can't see colors at all?、Or? I can see colors. I, I know how to distinguish colors.、Um, I, of course, I struggled. I don't know if it's just because I'm like a guy or something. I don't know、uh-huh. how to, like, if somebody's like, that's teal. I don't know if I've ever like really showed enough attention to the color teal to、yeah. just like, oh, yeah, I like that teal color. Like, I, you know? But, like, as far as like, you know, your basic colors, red, green, blue, I、oh. can point those out. Yeah. But, like I was saying,、um, there's a, right now, what I've noticed with the, with the glasses is there's a certain depth, a certain richness of red I've never experienced before.、Uh-huh. And red has been like extremely、um, like、giving to me as far as like emotion when I see、uh. it. I keep looking, like, if I see like a rich red and I'm wearing the glasses, Um, it turns my head every single time.、Mm. Yeah, and I don't know if my eyes are kind of getting used to it now because that effect's starting to wear off.、Uh, but I did notice that I was getting a lot of like、um, headaches and I was getting really tired. So if I was wearing the glasses for like an hour, I would just feel real tired. Like I want to take a nap、wow. and I'd take the glasses off. That, I wonder what, like, have you looked into what the science behind that is? Because it has to make you think, like, Who or what's the, the standard for what vibrance of color should be? Exactly. Right, right. Where does that, where's the medium for that? We know what 2020 is. Yep. Because that's, you know, people you see from 20 feet away, what other people see from 20 feet away. But who sets the standard on what the vibrance of color is? I always thought、yeah. that. And I was like, everyone's like, you're colorblind. I'm like, what if I see real color? Like, who's to say <laughs>、yeah, who、right. sees like what color? You know? Right, right. Why am I the one that's colorblind? Like, what if、yeah. the rest of you are colorblind? So, a weird thing that I've, I've been kind of like aware of, but I never wanted to like bring up and around a lot of people in the beginning because I didn't know if it was going to sound like I was being、uh, like bragging about it. But I always felt like I could see in the woods better than some people.、Uh, I could see like antlers better laying on the ground and I could see deer better.、Uh, once I figured it, figured it out, my eyes got real good. And I didn't know I was really、um, that colorblind until I started taking the tests and I felt all of them miserably. And then when I first started failing the test, I was like, there's no way I'm failing these, that, all of them that bad. So I got my son, when I first started failing them, like, and really paying attention to it, I got my son. He was about like seven or eight. And I was like, tell me what number you see. And he was hitting every single number. And I couldn't see one. And I was like, dang, it's real. I had to accept it. It was hard for me to accept、yeah. I was even just colorblind, you know? Right. Yeah, so. But anyhow,、um, oh, and also, my friends would always tell me that. I saw better at night. But I was just thinking, like, it's only because I've been driving these roads all, all the time. Like, I know what to look for. And I did a little read one time. I guess it hasn't been proven,、um, like, how things are supposed to be. When you prove something, you're supposed to have so many tests to be done. It's supposed to have, like, so many、um, subjects and all. Like, there's,、right. there has to be a lot of variables and stuff. But not enough testing has been done on it to make it, like, an actual proven fact. But it's thought that people that are colorblind can see better at night. And I guess it kind of makes sense because, you know, like the way your cones are in your eyes, like the way you perceive light.、Right. And, that's, and that's why I can't see color like everyone else sees color, I guess. It's just because the way the cones, my cones, I don't know if it's the way they're shaped, I can't remember, but、um, they perceive light differently. But I mean, you would think, I mean, that makes sense because color is light reflecting off of something. Yep. And at night, nothing's reflecting off of anything.、Mm-hmm. And I'm sure you develop some sort of perception as far as shapes, distances. Things like that are concerned. Yeah, it's weird because I can see things from like really far in the distance. Yeah. But I don't like, I'm not looking at color. I'm not like, I can just see something that's far, you know, at night. Yeah. Which is helpful because, you know, I don't want to 
hit a deer or an elk or something like that. But anyway, we got off on the tangent on the on the oh, yeah. vision thing. Oh, Josh, I want to ask you earlier. Uh, what was one of the some of the venues you've performed at with your band? So we've done. I don't know. Uh, first venue we did was I think Bent Fest. Bent Fest. For those of you who don't know, Bent's a very very small little place in between Mescalero and Tularosa. And uh, they have a little festival. They've been doing it for like 10 years. We play that. We play uh, Cloudcroft Brewery. Um, we had a lot of venues lined up in Rio Doso, got canceled. Um, played a lot of parties. Uh, I'm sure I'm missing stuff. We, we've we done some street fests in Alamogordo. We did, and we had, today, this was supposed to be our biggest year. We had a lot of shows lined up this year. Yeah, I've noticed on, on social media, you guys kind of been uh, more present. Yeah, um, in more events. Yeah, yeah. Are they just bigger events, or are you guys just posting more? I think we're just posting more. You know, sometimes when you get, you know, people with full time jobs, um, and do the band, it's like show Saturday, show Saturday, show Saturday. So it's like you never have time to sit back and really mess with your content. Most of the stuff comes from people recording you in the crowd and stuff. But now we're in the studio. We're recording in the studio right now, and I think that's really driven us to try to put ourselves out there as a brand because that really is a key to your band success too is creating a brand yeah are you guys recording an album or what are you guys doing so we're doing an ep which is a condensed version of an album so you have like some feature songs and then we'll do a couple of covers for demo purposes and then we hope you know in the next few months we'll start working on a full-length album there's there's a lot of strategy i guess that goes into getting yourself um, well known um so you you said you do covers for why again? Like yeah, so so anywhere you play like a bar or anything like that, they're gonna pretty much require you to know cover songs yeah. that are basically intrigue people to listen. Oh, you know so. what's what's the main request that you get for as a cover band? Um, it's always gonna be Bob Marley stuff. Yeah, we, we play play a lot of reggae style stuff, a lot of uh, jazz in the sense of like Amy Winehouse. Um, sublime, no doubt. We're yeah, kind yeah. of in that. We're in that genre. That's cool. You know, so we do a lot of that stuff, and then, you know what? To be honest, we we get a couple of covers out there, and then we throw our originals out there, and our originals always seem to hit the hardest, man. Damn. Yeah. And I think a lot of our originals, um, not directively, but they have this New Mexican dynamic. We definitely have this idea that. Um, the kind of music we play is most popularized in the West Coast. And yeah. we're, I mean, all of us are just so proud to be New Mexican. It's like, yeah. whatever you guys got, the only thing we don't have is a beach <laughs> with water anyway. Right. The only thing we don't have is the ocean. Yeah. You know? And so, like, our vibes are different, but we had just, we had the, we still have the best vibes here. It's still, like, super peaceful place. And I think New Mexico puts you in a really good state of mind. It does. And I had this conversation with a guy that I'm real close with in the military. Or, I was in the military with, he was saying that um, he had never seen so much pride for one state. Like mm-hmm. me, I have the Zia symbol on my elbow. Right. And it's because, like, I and I have, you know, the Geronimo on the inside of my arm. Right. Like, those two right there, like, put me on the map for New Mexico. And when I went to the Army and I got those two, and I got my Zia symbol tap, um, I really wanted people to know I was from New Mexico. I really wanted people to know I was doing well, and that's what I was representing, you know. And when he brought that up, I was like, yeah, you're right. Like, New Mexico has a lot of pride because we know we know how we feel. And we know, like, the type of d- dynamic that we have. It's very special. 
Right. Like if you can go into someone's house and no matter like what condition it's in, how how you feel, maybe the family might be doing financially or but it's just the feeling you get from every home that you go into. It's a feeling you get from every party that you go to or right. birthday party. Like there's a there's a certain sense of community that I've never felt anywhere else in all my travels. And I think it's so everybody's so different that maybe being from New Mexico is really the only thing we actually do have in common that <laughs> yeah. people can, you know, but it's like, like, for instance, like I always talk about the relationship between people from Tularosa and people from Mescalero, like from my experience, like we're all so close. Yeah. You know, we're so yeah. close and, and we're only like 10 miles apart and it's really completely different cultures, mm-hmm. yeah. you know, but like all my friends, not only from Mescalero, but from Tularosa would do anything for anybody from over there. Yeah. And I feel like the same, that's the, it's the same way both goes both ways. And it's like just two crazy different cultures, like predominantly Hispanic culture. And then you guys with the Mescalero Apache culture. And it just, for some reason, you know, and I hate to say this, but it's like, you know, we're all kind of in the poverty zone, Mm -hmm. you know, we all have a lot of the same hardships and Absolutely, I think, I think we could relate to each other a lot. In yeah, that sense. yeah. Um, while we're talking about Tularosa and and, and we you mentioned Mescalero, it kind of had me. It reminded me of something I forgot to ask you earlier. You remember we were talking about like um, music theory and how like certain vibrations and, and tunes kind of hit you and make right. you feel and stuff. Um, when I'm in Mescalero and I'm you know like at the feasts and the ceremonies and stuff, when I hear our music being played off that drum, it does that for me. And what what I was thinking about was like I don't we didn't study music theory, like that just comes like from right. us like right. And there's no better feeling you can get in the world, but just when you hear that music and you're soaking it up, it just makes you feel so good, you know. And I've been lucky enough to see that like and and I guess all I can really say is that I have seen like how powerful your guys' music is. But it feels good. And though, I mean you know? I mean I get like I even get the chills just thinking about it and to see the effect that it has on your the people and the ceremonials that you guys have. Like it's just a, like it's a spectacle to watch. Even if I even if like you can't relate to the content of what it is, yeah. It's there's something super powerful about it. Yeah. Has and anybody ever took you through a song and, and actually said what it meant what they were talking yeah, about? Yeah. Yeah. Definitely. Yeah. Definitely. I grew I grew up with, you know, quite quite a few people from Mescalero and um, my son danced whenever he was really young. Oh, really? Yeah, he danced with uh, Houston and them. Yeah, so, that's all. Whenever I was small, I used to dance too and I danced with Houston. Yeah. Yeah. So he danced when he was little and, and you know, just, just to sit back and see see the culture was yeah. pretty amazing. Was he a, a crowd dancer? Or, or, no, no. Or, uh, I don't, I don't, the clipaya? Yeah, yeah, I don't want to mispronounce. <laughs> it. Yeah, yeah, yeah oh, he okay. was. That's where I got. That's where I got my start too. Um, that's pretty awesome. But I was trying to like just kind of identify like how you felt. Like what? What do you think like about that type of beat? The way it hits you? Because you know, like I was saying, there's no music theory involved, but right, it it gives you a feeling, right? Like it does. It absolutely does. And I think <clears throat> I really think if somebody sat down and wrote it. Mm-hmm. Like broke down the songs and wrote them like in music form. Yeah, it would be like perfectly structured. Yeah, like just now understanding like rhythm and yeah and counts and and things like that. They 
they do they have like a chorus a chorus and then verse and then the chorus is always some of them are like eight times the yeah, chorus yeah. whenever you break right. it down yeah right and it's like that's those are perfect perfect frames you yeah. Know? yeah and it's like like you said nobody taught you guys that no and then like i mean this may be a little bit off off the cultural subject but if you ever notice like these really really powerful musics came from people who didn't have anything mm. like everything we know as popular music today is based off you know old black culture and yeah. blues yeah and these guys didn't have anything yeah you know and then you look at like you guys hear a lot of mexican music around here too i mean these these guys can't even afford shoes sometimes but they have a, a trumpet uh-huh. or they have this expensive instrument and it's like they don't have a whole lot but they have music yeah and you know you, you can almost guarantee these guys don't understand music theory but it's just it's inside them somewhere yeah, yeah. and and that's why for me like it feels so powerful like when i listen to music i'm not trying to listen to and what we're talking about, like pop, I'm trying to get a feeling out of it. I'm addicted to a certain feeling that I can get, like a healing feeling or uh, maybe something to just that I can relate to. I don't know. But yeah, uh, music is I'm, it's nice to actually sit down and talk with somebody who's like pays attention to it, who like feels it and respects it and loves it the way you do. I can tell like you wouldn't be saying like a lot of the things you're saying if this was just something you did for attention, you know, which which I really, really I highly doubt you did. No, no. If I can ask you guys something, um, like the whole cultural, not having to do with your guys' culture, but like the cultural, modern culture and music has a lot to do with dance. Do you guys have, I mean, I know a lot of your dances have meeting. Is there any dances you guys have that you guys are just having fun? I mean, as far as like the mescalero, the dance of tradition. I guess the back and forth would yeah. be considered oh, yeah. social. Yeah. Social, some dance, social yeah. yeah, so we have some okay. social dances and stuff like that. Yeah, yeah so um, for the mescalero Apache people, uh, dance, you know, like you said, all the dances all have meaning and stuff like that. Right. And, um, there's there's a lot to go through. Um, and there's a... For me, I've been disconnected for so long. Uh, when I grew up, I did, like, war dancing. And uh, like I was saying, I was dancing with, with Houston's group for a while and stuff like that. And I got disconnected and I kind of lost, like, a little bit of my... Um, like, my knowledge about, like, the dances and stuff like that. So I feel bad about it, but, I mean, there's nothing I can do. Like, right. I went and joined the military and... I'm, I'm going to school now and stuff like that but you now when I get back I need to like really pay attention a lot more and just get more involved in the community and stuff like that yeah like the, yeah. the crown dancer that, that'd be that'd be sacred you know right. that's not to have fun really but yeah I guess the back and forth we could say was, it's just to have fun right yeah yeah, yeah. I guess so some, some. I mean if, if anybody never had the opportunity to go check out any of like the ceremonial dances you have like no matter what's going on as far as the dance is concerned like you can hear the people yelling and like yeah. there's an excitement to it yeah so i mean there's still like you could tell there's still some sort of feeling and excitement that just can't be contained yeah you know it's kind of evident. it's kind of weird to be asked questions about it because right. you know when you grow up in it you just like feel like that's just what you do right but right. now like you if anyone asked me to put it into words i'm kind of like well i don't know i just that's just what we do yeah have you ever heard the analogy and i've been using this a lot, but like if you told a fish he was swimming in water, he wouldn't know what you're talking about. <laughs> <laughs> you know, yeah, like yeah. That, that that has to be like similar, similar to you guys. Yeah, yeah. I, I think that's exactly <laughs> what what it is. But um, like, so when I was in the military, people were asking me like what the ceremonies were and stuff. Like, and you can't talk about everything, you know. Right, so, right. and I would just tell them like, oh man, like, okay, so there's this thing. It's it's called an arbor, but it's made out of like <laughs> these sticks and and let's say like frame and. You just, you just, I just didn't know how to describe anything. Right. And I couldn't, like, project that feeling onto them. Um, but I was like, you got to trust me. Like, when you're there, you just feel happy. Like, I didn't know how to right. say this right. stuff, you know. But um, 
I think some people have a better like understanding, and I don't want to mess it up. Like we had, we interviewed a uh, Lee Pike, mm. and he did a pretty good job like describing like a lot of stuff. Like, but he's also very careful. You don't want to say things. Right. It's hard yeah. for us to talk about stuff, you yeah, know, because everything is so sacred, and and you don't want to offend anyone or any family and say something wrong. Yeah, and stuff absolutely. Like Which kind of like uh, I don't know why it leads, it leads. Well, I'll save the subject for for another um, part of the podcast. There's something that I want to kind of change gears into with you right now. Um, that what what attracted me to wanting to talk with you. First off, we'll say I met you at a car crash. Yeah, <laughs> and uh, we can get into that in a bit. But after I met you and shook your hand, I was like, "Yeah, I'm so and so." You're like, "I'm so and so," and then I pay, you friend requested me on Facebook, and I was all oh, cool. Yeah, well, we're friends now. And then I saw the things you're talking about. Right. You're real heavy into uh, mindfulness. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, should we talk about the car crash or should we move into mindfulness? Well, what do you mean mindfulness? <laughs> mindfulness, exactly. He's he's real interested in like. So, um, I could transition it, I guess, from the car crash into mindfulness. Should we talk about the car crash? So yeah, I got a little. Okay. I got an accident on the highway. I know I got to drive through Mescalero to come home from work, and you know, long story short, I I ended up t-boning a, an older woman uh-huh. who was making a. You know, unnecessary traffic maneuver. And Blue just happened to be passing by, and he stopped to make sure everybody was okay. Yeah. You know, and um, that's kind of how we formally met. And, you know, I do talk about mindfulness a lot. Um, mindfulness could go into a lot of things. And I'll just kind of tell you how, in that instance, and then I'll, I'll, I'll transition into it. But in that instance, like, I've been practicing mindfulness now for, you know, only really, like, almost a year and being in this accident, right, I see everything happening around me. I see cars behind me. I see oncoming traffic. And it wasn't like it wasn't slow motion. It was just me being 100% aware of my surrounding, or my surroundings and knowing that it was unavoidable and everything leading up to the impact. Like, I remember it clearly. I was able to react. I was able to brace for impact, which whatever, if you're supposed to do it or not, I'm not sure how that works. But anyway, it's funny how when you practice mindfulness, um, mindfulness is basically trying to be do your best to be present in the moment mm-hmm. at all times, mm-hmm. reminding yourself of what you're doing. And it doesn't mean that you have you can't let your mind go anywhere, but like little things that I do is like, let's just say I'm driving and my mind starts to, to stray a little bit. Okay, my hands are on the steering wheel. What are my hands doing? Mm-hmm. You know, then you start picking out things that are around you and bringing yourself back to um, the moment. And I think I've always kind of done that. I'm one of those weird people who, like, I'm in Walmart. Yeah. And I'm always, like, who's behind me? I don't want to bump into nobody. I'm trying to be courteous. But I think when you, when, so being mindful does something to your brain that helps you continue to fire new neurons and things like that. Yeah. So your brain's active and you're present and, um, I'm trying to find a way to word this correctly. Um, basically when you're present in the moment, you have less distractions, you're more focused on what you're doing and it helps you basically take small steps into the next moment, the next moment, the next moment. Yeah. And so you get this clarity, right. And you know, you don't have the space case mentality and, but it, it helps with a lot of things. Definitely. They, they say that's how you get anxiety and depression because you're not in the moment. You're thinking about the past or you're worried about the future. Exactly. Yeah, yeah and really you need to be in the, the moment, which is considered your serenity, right? Mm-hmm. The present is your serenity. So I try to go really heavy on that. And, I mean, 
I constantly stray away from it constantly yeah. but it's a little things like even if we're right now like what are my hands doing you mm-hmm. know like things like that and it's like a brain reset and so i mean i'll, I'll make a really long story short i had uh started drinking really heavy last year like extremely heavy and mindfulness is really the thing that pulled me out of that because you become so used to drinking or so used to smoking cigarettes or so used to doing whatever it is that you're doing if you're really sat there and we're like i'm drinking a beer yeah. it's like this has got to be like my 10th beer i'm drinking again and you're thinking about it and then it weighs on you like why am i doing this mm-hmm. am i just doing it because you know it's convenient and then you start really focusing in on those small things and mm-hmm. then whenever you're mindful it also helps you be preventative yeah so there's a lot there's just so many benefits to it and they say that they say that um, people not being present is the number one cause of miscommunication. Mm-hmm. Like all we're doing is focusing on what we're going to say next instead of being in the moment and listening to what this person's saying. Sometimes I feel like I kind of overanalyze. Um, I don't know if that's like a thing that helps you or something that kind of makes you more disconnected with people around you because I'm very into what you're saying. Um, that's why I got like so attracted to a lot of things you're saying on Facebook. And I feel the same way that you're describing for the most part. And you talk about being in the moment, being aware of what's going on, being aware of what's around you, what you're doing, why you're doing it, how you're doing it. And sometimes I feel like I get so caught up in it that I can't connect with people sometimes. Like, and people are trying to have fun. They're, they're on, a, on a different level. They're trying to talk and laugh and stuff. But I'm constantly thinking and I feel disconnected, you know? Yeah. And I don't want to, like, give up, like, my state of mind where I feel conscious about things and I'm trying to make right decisions just to fit in, you know? Right. So right. It, it does make it, like, hard for me to click with people. Yeah, I understand that. And, I mean, I also think that one thing that we as a society don't use enough of is responding to people by saying, I don't have an answer for that right now. Uh-huh. Or give me a second to process this, mm-hmm. and I'll come back to it. Like, we always feel like we have to have a response immediately. Exactly. And it's not necessarily, I mean, it would, a good majority of the time, I'd have to assume it'd be the wrong response. You know, it's like your snap reaction sometimes isn't always the correct reaction, you know. And I'm not saying it like an, an argument of states or anything. I'm just saying that we're not processing what people are saying. Mm-hmm. I pick. I picked up on that a lot in the military where what happens is um, leaders, good leaders get in positions for their leadership skills. They realize they don't know everything. And when you ask them for questions, um, a good leader will always tell you, like, he doesn't know the answer. He'll find out. Right. And um, I think like most of the army or where I was at, uh, I think they all recognize that in people. So that kind of was like a common thing. And it rubbed off on me, too. And I respected someone that could say that. And now that I'm out in the civilian world, um, you don't hear that as much. Right. Um, I don't know if it's because the consequences are higher. Like if you're feeding people bad information in the army, maybe you tell them like something wrong and you get them killed because they believe like maybe some weapon could do something and it didn't. I don't know. And then now in the civilian world, I think consequences might be lower. But you hear that a lot, or I hear that a lot less out here, especially like in the in the workplace. Right. Um, yeah, someone. Um, but I do have a lot of respect for someone that can say they don't know the answer, and I'll get back to you. I think even touching on that, like, first of all, I think le- true leadership is very rare mm-hmm. outside of any structure, like military structure or anything. And I think even in the military, you probably have people who are higher ranked than you that you wouldn't consider a leader. Oh, yeah, absolutely. Yeah. You know, and like, I just think people. <clears throat> 
just like with conversation, they don't take the time to really understand other people and, and, you know, the paradigms to really become a leader. And I heard like a great one the other day, this guy said, was talking about, um, you can't lead somebody you haven't found. Right. So if you don't understand somebody, how are you going to lead them? We can't just like say, Hey, follow me. You know, Mm -hmm. we got to understand people individually. And I think that's like a big, like I'm real big on the paradigm shift too. And I think that's part of being mindful. You never know what, what another person's going through. Yeah. You never, never know that. And when I first started like dabbling a little bit with mindfulness, because of course I picked it up like where most people do like YouTube, you know, right. I heard a motivational video one day and it hit me real hard. And then I just kept listening to them, listening to them. And, but anyway, um, when I first started really getting into it, paying attention to it, it wasn't that like healthy for me because I knew I was extremely inspired by um, the topic of like mindfulness and, and motivated people or inspirational people. And when I would try to like apply like what I knew from that and yeah. and like my skills and teach people, I wasn't doing it in an effective way. Um, I was just kind of like ignorant. And I didn't know how to like lead. Like you're saying, you can't lead yeah. someone you haven't found. Yeah. I was just applying like all of this um, blanketed knowledge on everyone, and it doesn't it doesn't I got match. You. Yeah, you know. I, I see what you're saying. Yeah, yeah, I understand that. And like, I think people sometimes, you know, look at people who are trying to be mindful, trying to be present. I think sometimes they look at us like we're crazy. I think, mm-hmm. <laughs> like I try to tell people all the time, like one of the biggest changes I made in my life was sleeping with my phone in the other room. Yeah, and yeah. you'll hear people say, "Oh, I can't my alarm." Like, let's be realistic. Alarms are four dollars at the dollar store. <laughs> like, do you really need that phone for an alarm? Do you scroll till you fall asleep? Like, you're talking about small things. Putting your phone in the other room, you sleep better. Mm-hmm. There's less anxiety. You know, you're not constantly worried about what's popping up on your phone. And it's like, where, where did we lose touch of that? Like, it's only been yeah. fifteen, twenty years when we started <laughs> doing this. <laughs> How did you get a? Uh, how did you discover to be mindful and how did that relate to the car crash that you're in? Oh, so really, I, I started discovering mindfulness um, because I'm very intrigued by the science behind being able to rewire your brain. Yeah. Right. So we live in and it, it did. I mean, I, I don't want to keep touching on this, but it did come from, you know, me having been drinking a lot and like there's so many ways traditional ways that people go to to stop doing something like let's just say aa or they'll turn to religion or they'll turn to you know you know rehabs whatever the case may be without ever thinking about the fact that your brain's not done you know you can rewire this thing Mm -hmm. you can if you can convince yourself you can convince yourself of anything you can train your mind to not have to depend on on things like that yeah right and so you know like as i was trying to say it related to the car crash was more so like i was aware of my surroundings the entire time mm-hmm. and it was like being mindful that my radio was off mm-hmm. not being on my phone having my seatbelt on you know and in the moment it was like come on airbag i hope you i, ha- I it was like a check system i'm like uh-huh. looking down I'm like, okay my seatbelt's on okay my radio's off what else can i do to avoid this contact couldn't do anything and it was i had the impact and it was just like i mean i remember every second of it yeah something interesting about that is whenever i was checking on the lady that got t-boned right. it might, and it might be due to her age but she was probably the most least mindful person i've ever met in my life i agree i agree 
and then you're you're, you know you, you really pay attention to this stuff and you're saying how it helped you get through that situation but when i got to her car she was still in drive she was still wow, i didn't know that yeah she was still rolling yeah i had no idea and she was looking for her phone and she was looking right at it and she was like shaking talking to me. and so the first thing that i had to do was um, kind of like start breaking down what's the most dangerous thing here and just kind of going through a little checklist like well first you know cars and drive let's get it in park how do i get it in park and she has to put her foot on the brake she can't put her foot on the brake because she's shaking like she had no idea of her surroundings what was happening she was in total distress wow. and i and like i said it might be due to her age like i'm not trying to like down her right you know right. she was she was up there but I just rubbed her back for a little while. I was like, hey, yeah. man, you really got to put your foot on the brake because we're going to roll into the next lane, you know. <laughs> and so we got her in park and stuff. And then um, seeing you stand there, you were just, you just had your hands like on your head and you were like, okay, what's going on? You were looking around and I said, is everyone okay? You're like, I don't know. You're real calm. I said, yeah. um, what about her? Should I check on her? Yeah, yeah, you should probably check on her. Like, you just seemed real chill about the situation. I'm, I'm really fortunate to have a really calm nature. I, I, I don't know where that comes from. And, and think like high stress situations don't really affect me that greatly. Mm-hmm. Like a couple of years ago, I got in a really bad horse accident. Uh-huh. Right. And I mean, I was in a wheelchair for a while, quite a while. I wasn't able to walk, you know, and it was, I mean, it just wasn't upsetting. You know, it was just, <laughs> I mean, it was just like, this is what it is. I mean, you can only take things for what they are and try to progress forward, you know, and I, I just, I couldn't dwell on it. Yeah. Yeah. You That's know, the thing. Dwelling. Yeah, dwelling dwell- is mm-hmm. huge. You always you always wonder about people like I always say this a lot too, like, um the greatest pain you ever had is the greatest pain you've ever had. Mm-hmm. Which to me is like let's just take for example, you know, I broke my pelvis in like sixteen places. I still have a lot of hardware in me. I broke my lower vertebrae in my tailbone. I, mm-hmm. you know. And that's the worst pain I've ever been in. Mm-hmm. Right? Now take somebody like, I'll just use my sister for an example. She breaks her toe. That's the worst pain she's ever been in. Mm -hmm. She's never had anything broken. So for me to try to compare my hardship to hers, that's still the worst thing that's ever happened to her. That's a huge carryover to how you view your life. Right. Because um, I think maybe I I didn't have the the best childhood growing up. You know, I didn't grow up in the suburb and wasn't, you know crawling in money and opportunity and things like that and i never let my past like get to me right and where i'm from the reservation you know you grow up fighting around alcohol you right. grow up around like real bad attitudes like there's there's things that can rub you raw but if you if you dwell on that and um you you feel sorry for yourself it's so easy to look for vices to help you get over that right but right. then um like you said that that was just the worst pain i've been in and um, you know, you go overseas and you see people living like real bad lifestyle. You see people getting shot over there because they're trying to fight for their family. Because you know the Taliban put a gun in their hand and said, "If right. you don't fight for us, you know we're going to kill you." So they they're living true like <laughs> war right. hardships. And I'm like, man, I didn't go through anything this bad. It's it can always be worse. The situation can always be. Um, you could be over there like living that lifestyle. Life's way harder for other people you know right and i and i don't like to feel sorry for myself for that reason and i think that's like we're talking about um i guess i'll do a name drop here dr joe Dispenza. like i sent you that link right so Mm -hmm. he's real big on um like 
let, let's trace where our emotions come from, right? So everything's based on memory. That's where our emotions come from, right? It's just a snapshot of what's happened to you as a child. You know, you're a, you're a baby. You fall down. You remember that. You know, you know that hurts. Mm-hmm. So that's your snapshot. That becomes your emotion, right? You cry. This is all based off of memory. So if all we do when we get up first thing in the morning is start focusing on the past and the memories, we're, we're already addicted to that feeling. Mm-hmm. And it's self-pity and it's, it's anxiety. And like you were saying, Chris, like depression, anxiety. Like we're addicted to those emotions no matter how shitty they make us feel. We're addicted to them because it's familiar mm-hmm. and it's what we're comfortable in, whether we acknowledge that or not. So whenever we don't get over the things that have happened to us in the past, and I'm not saying it's easy, but there's small steps that you take. It's not waking up and looking at pictures from the past as soon as you get your phone. Mm-hmm. It's waking up and focusing on what are you going to do in the first hour of your day in the moment? What's the next step? What's the next step? And it's those little struggles and it's changing in routine. Mm-hmm. You get up and you maybe drive a different way to work or you do something different in your day to rewire your brain to get over your emotions that are linked to your past. Yeah. And those are just small steps. And it's like you said, like you, you go, you were lucky enough to almost have like a shock value of, of the shift of your perspective to see what hardship really is. It could be worse. You know, and I think also you're, you're fortunate enough to travel. You know, some people get stuck in their own realities and they think that's the only reality that there is. Right. And I, I feel like I always had this, this thought, like we we're always, there's so much, the world is so much bigger than us. I mean, there's the state, the United States is bigger than us. You know, we want to know about space. We want to know about other countries. We don't even know our own bodies. We don't even know our own brains, mm-hmm. you know, and until we grow out of that and evolve out of that, you know, I just think we get stagnant, yep. completely stagnant mentally. You said Joe Dispenza. Is that the is that the same guy that's in The Secret? Or what does he look? Is he like a bald guy? Or? Yeah, he's like an older, older white dude. He's wrote, a, he's wrote quite a few books and he's a neuroscientist who talks about like rebuilding neurons in your brain and yeah just, I, I think i saw some of his stuff yeah, he just has some really simple powerful stuff i'm re- i'm really big on like the thought of meditation i know a lot of yeah. people think meditation is very very difficult and i understand that but i think it's like a, a hard rewire for your for your mind state well being in the moment is, is like the basic of meditation exactly. the main part of meditation exactly yeah. it's, it's bringing yourself back to the moment yeah yeah, yeah you're 100 right so do you have any spiritual spiritual beliefs is this I do not. To this no i do not what would you what's your take on all that like how does this relate to so any of it? i don't i don't know i think i'm more so my curiosity and my thirst for knowledge keeps me from really focusing on something that that maybe it was fed to me I want to say mm-hmm. like I, I'm one of those people like why can't I walk outside and say today is a beautiful day those trees are beautiful the sky is beautiful uh-huh. I feel like as a culture we're like man the sky is beautiful because mm-hmm. you know and it's and that like builds this crazy accountability right like it's like being a boss at work and it's like everything went good because the boss made it be good <laughs> right and it's like I think there's on a spiritual level it's like we're always owing somebody something for th- everything's a gift to us which I guess in a sense it is but like we don't always have to owe gratitude necessarily because yeah. that makes us, it, it puts us on like a scale that we can't appreciate these things on our own. Yeah. Mm. And I'm 
that's like more intriguing to me. Like I have nothing against anyone and whatever they choose to believe in all that. And so I think with the type of crew that we have here today, we can have like real healthy discussion and not like judge and everything. And it's always like key for me. I don't want to offend anybody and stuff. So, you know, if there's any listeners out there that are getting offended, like by our beliefs, like that's not what we're here for. What we're here for is, you know, respect everybody and what they believe in and just, let's just have a discussion. You know, we're not here to hurt anybody's feelings or prove anyone wrong, but um, that's that's one of my favorite things about the podcast is I think we can start to develop like healthy discussions about how we feel and stuff and kind of get a better understanding about everyone else that's out there. Eventually, um, you know, like I grew up Christian and, you know, I do believe in God and, and I do believe in the creator and things like that because, you know, I'm from Mescalero. Right. And that's 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 who I am. Right. But um, I would never like knock anybody for believing anything else. What right. I really believe, though, is that you should just be a good person. Absolutely. You know? And I, I know for a fact that the power of belief is unmatched as far as what it can do for your mind. Uh. Like belief in anything is so powerful. And so it's like you using the power of belief to make you a better person morally and, you know, being better to people, whatever it is, like you said, that you believe in that helps you get there. Yeah, I'm all for it. I mean, but I mean, for me, it's like, belief in the power of human potential for me i know how powerful the human being can be mm-hmm. so me believing in that and wanting to strive to be the best version of that that i can be that's kind of my focus but you see people all the time who have these beliefs and they're so driven by them and they're doing all these great things and and namesake of that belief and it's, it's very powerful yeah for sure yeah. Um, what's what's your thought on um like using like vices like having like a crutch like having like an addiction or having like because uh, for me i have like vices and stuff that i can't get rid of right they kind of like weaken me and i recognize that they're there but for some reason even though i'm very aware of it i just i don't have the will to give it up i think i mean nobody's gonna be like a what is it Tony Groggins like the guy Tony Gog- Goggins, uh, yeah Goggins Goggins yeah, yeah. so David he, Goggins David Goggins he's never touched alcohol the machine yeah and he's just this, this like amazing dude right he's like the, the Mr. freaking universe he's capable of anything but yeah. I don't think I don't think that when we dump all I think when you dump all your efforts into a, a alleviating a vice mm-hmm. it's it's wasted energy in some sense in itself you know like where do you find the balance like can i handle the fact that i do these small things and how detrimental are they actually for me like getting rid of my vice i saw getting rid of vices as an interference with what i wanted to achieve as my next step right i don't give the power to a vice like saying oh man this is controlling my life i control my life right. nothing else controls my life but me and so for me to say Man, I have to get rid of that. And then seeing the result of it and not celebrating, but just keep pushing forward and me saying, okay, I can't do that anymore because it's hindering what my ultimate goal is. Mm -hmm. And I know you're in the military. You hear those like, you know, you face your fear because the goal demands it, whatever. Like having a goal like that is, is extremely powerful. And seeing your vices as keeping you from getting to what you want ultimately, for me, that was the best way to get rid of them. How do, you, how do you feel about people that use religion as a vice? Because there are people out there who um, believe in nothing but the power of prayer and church and stuff, and that's how they get through everything. Uh, that's, a, that's a scary idea, I think. Mm-hmm. You know, because not only do you have a scapegoat immediately, mm-hmm. but you're not 
taking responsibility for things that you're doing yourself mm-hmm. and ownership of who you are and what you're doing, I think really dials in morals for me. Yeah. You know, it's like you have to like, we all make mistakes. Right. And being able to say, look, I made this mistake on my own. You know, I wasn't, in, you know, I wasn't the power of anything that compelled me to do something wrong. I did something wrong. Mm-hmm. Even though I knew the difference between right and wrong, I did something wrong. Right. And I have to face that. And those are the things to me that build character. Yeah. And I think if you really observe people who are like that, they definitely lack in character. I um, I highly believe in, in balance. I need balance in my life, you know. And like, I don't want to def- depend on like my religion to the point to where it's like unhealthy. And like you're saying, I don't take responsibility for my action or I do in a right. way that it's it's not um, beneficial for me um, but at the same time like that is my religion and I do need to adhere to it and stuff so I always like I fall down like on these these lines I tiptoe these lines all the time like I don't know how far is too far and I don't know when I'm betraying something or an ideology to a point to where I shouldn't even believe in it because why am I in this ideology to begin with if i'm not 100 percent in 100 110 percent like so like i battle constantly with that pull and that push you know so i was just curious on what your take was on it i have a like an interesting outlook and i have this conversation a lot you know we're talking about jesus or like these guys who are really really influential i mean there's no denying that jesus was a real a real person, you know, mm-hmm. I mean, there's so much history and evidence on that. It's just like, I think it's more debatable what his role was, mm-hmm. but I like really start thinking as I get more into like mindfulness and being present and, you know, like really tapping into what you're capable of. Like what if these, what if these figures were just people who were able to tap into that mm-hmm. on that next level mm-hmm. and people didn't have a way to describe what it was that they were doing. Yeah. You know, you, people talk about this a lot and I, and I know it's very, very controversial topic. I'm not sure that I buy into it fully, but you talk about energy being like part of a quantum field. I don't know. Are you familiar with that? Mm-hmm. So like, you know, it's an actual thing and people can actually meditate and go so deep down into their brain and, into all these different cortexes of their brain and actually reach this quantum state, right? And I'm, I'm sure, I'm still not sure how, maybe because I haven't seen it for myself, how that works, but I don't know. I'm, it makes me curious, like, are these people those who were able to tap fully into their brain and their human mm-hmm. potential and other people were just so mesmerized by it? I, they called it something. Yes. The language got right. Yeah, right. that that's one thing with with the heat because because the Bible was written in Hebrew. Right. So the language got passed down all these years, and um, maybe maybe just the language is different. You you might be calling it mindfulness, but what if that's really, I don't know, that is your God, right, or something. Right. That's, yeah, that's, I understand. Like your your belief, uh, a belief is something that you just tell yourself over and over, exactly, and over and over. So like what question to you would be uh so what, what do you believe happens to us when we die i just think you go back to the earth to to where but i mean i just think you know if you're buried uh-huh. that you know it would just be like i hate to and, say so minuscule but like compost so it, so you think that's it there's, i think that's it that, that, that's i it. think there's some short-term transfer of energy uh-huh. that's very short like you're made up of so much energy. I mean, that's just the human makeup. Your body contains so much energy, however you want to describe it, mm-hmm. on a molecular level. Mm-hmm. But it's real. And, yeah. I mean, energy is a real thing. It takes up the space around us, the things we can't see. But I think that's a short transfer of energy. And and I'm okay with that. Yeah. Like, I'm, I'm content with that. Mm-hmm. You know. Does that make you a... 
want to live your best life you ever you can the, the i i'm i'm a very 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 strong believer in legacy mm-hmm, mm-hmm. and legacy to me is that you leave things better off than they were when you found them mm-hmm. and i am one of those people who's like you know it it's flattering while i'm living to think that maybe somebody will remember me for something positive so thoughts like that it must it must lead you it must kind of push you to want to care about like what we're doing to our planet today you right. must uh you have to be like a conservationist because you know, you think about like what we do to it today is going to affect all the people down to come. You talk about legacy. And I think I read something like last last year saying like we're kind of doing a disservice in a way to where it's like we're being inhumane in a way with how we control our planet. Right. Because in future generations, you know, what we're doing with our pollution and what we're doing with um, like our, our atmosphere and stuff like that, it's going to de- it's going to uh, like kind of ruin. How would you say like? their chances of having a good comfortable lifestyle right so we're so do you do you think about things like that do you think about global warming do I, don't, you- I don't think about anything on a planetary scale i think about everything as conservation in the region that i'm in mm-hmm. and i know that kind of sounds selfish but to me it's like i can only control what's close to me i really feel that way like i can control you know, I don't, I'm definitely like one of those people, absolutely, you never catch me littering ever. Um, I care so much about preserving that. I mean, I'm in love with the area that we live in, especially your guys's, your guys's region. It's so beautiful to me. And it's, it's ridiculously upsetting when I see all this trash on the road or even I'll be, oh, hiking, yeah. even, you know, even in these mountains, I'll be hiking and it's like beer can, beer can, beer can. It makes me sick to my stomach. Me and Chris harp on that on our few episodes. <laughs> I mean, and I think about it more of this. I think about it because you touched on both of them and I think I think about it on the smaller scale for my son and for my immediate family and for those people closest to me and mm-hmm. I, I know that I think sometimes I, I think that if people focused heart focus their more of their energy at the at home level and everybody contributed in that sense then as a whole it would yeah. have a bigger impact so is it because um, you have like this sense of like, well, it's too big to worry about. The world's too big. I need to control what I can. Is um, you're in, in your immediate area? Yeah, yeah. That's that's ex- that's that's exactly what I'm saying. It's 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 out of. It's almost like to me, it's a pipe dream, and I want to be more realistic as to what what can I do for the people closest to me. I hear you, and that might be um, a good way of thinking for you. It might be the best way, like you control your ripple effect. Um, I kind of blurted that out too soon. So what I was getting at, there was a guy I met in the military one time and he asked me why I was getting out. And I said, I was really frustrated with the way that the military was going. I was upset because when I got there, you know, I was, there was a certain standard you had to live by. And when you didn't live by that standard, you paid the price. And it was like, it was painful. And it was the quickest way I learned. And so when I became in charge, um, we were coming back my for my second deployment it was a short term. I only served five years, but I saw the army change so quick. And I got back and the army was changing. We're going to peacetime now. And you couldn't be strict anymore. You couldn't do these things anymore. It was called hazing now when I was just correcting soldiers and stuff. And I got mad and I was telling him, like, that's one of the reasons. I feel like um, we just, we, we're not soldiers anymore. You know, if there's no war going on, we're losing that mentality. I just don't want to be a part of it. And then he said to me one time, he goes, you know, you, you control a certain ripple effect. He's like, who you influence around you is going to control a bigger ripple. And it's just going to keep going and going and going. He said, no, no matter what you do in the military, it's going to matter. 
because you're gonna like how I'm influencing you now. You're gonna influence somebody else, and those people are just gonna spread. He's like, you're not gonna stop that. You have to believe in. You gotta believe in that change. So maybe you not、um, thinking that you're influencing like the bigger picture. Maybe you are because by controlling like your small、um, circle around you, they're gonna control their people, and it's just gonna spread. You know. So I don't know. Just something to think about. I like that. I like that.、Thought. Yeah. And it almost like changed my mind a little bit. I was like, yeah, you're right. Maybe I can make a change. Maybe my small change is gonna make bigger change and stuff. But、um, it's just like there there are other factors to to why I got out and stuff. But、um, so and another thing thing I think I forgot. I had something in the back of my mind that I was waiting to get out and I just psh, blew past it. But、uh, talking about like controlling your environment and stuff like that. How do you feel、um, that it's like? Do you think that you are making a difference with the people around you? Do you feel effective? I think I've more recently felt been feeling effective. I think、mm-hmm. I know that I've affected a lot of people. I know that I have in my lifetime. You know, I've always been involved in like youth stuff, coaching sports, things like that. And I see the impact it makes on young kids and the way they approach me now. As far as like my more modern ideas and the, my more current state of mind. I haven't seen the results as as much as I would maybe I'd like to see. Yeah, but yeah, I mean, I, I guess for me, even even changing one person's mind is pretty powerful. For sure, and that's the way I feel too. And I play like the hero. Like I have like this big mentality where I feel like I can be one day like Muhammad Ali status if I try hard enough, or I can、right. be like a big、um, figure somehow. And maybe I won't get there. Maybe I'm just living this crazy. I'm just running in this this wheel, and it's just spinning, you know. But I don't know. I, I, there, there's two. We have, I guess, two different like kind of like mindsets where I feel like I do want to control the world someday, <laughs> and you're like, I'm just going to control the small picture. But and who knows? Maybe they're the same. They have the same effect. But、um, something that that kind of scared me.、Uh, it was like six months ago. This guy. I used to have this soldier in the army, and I made his life miserable because he just made a lot of mistakes. And when now he's in charge, and he said something to me one day. He goes. Yeah, I still use that line you told me one day, and I was like, "What line are you talking about?" And he said,、um, "He's like, you can't judge your success off of other people's failures." And I don't even remember saying that, yeah, but I was、yeah. like, "Oh, yep, absolutely, yep.、Yeah. I still live by that." You know, so going with it. Yeah, of course. <laughs> and if you listen to the podcast, he's gonna laugh. But、um, so, does it scare you that what you teach and what you preach is gonna be out there in the world for other people to teach and preach? Does it? Do you, do you feel pressure by that? I don't think so. I think I've always been. One of those people, and I, I do consider myself like a, a leader. I have that mentality.、Um, everything I do or say, I try to have a reason, an educated reason or concept behind it.、Mm-hmm. I don't want to just like blurt out stuff and think it's all motivational and then not have any backing for it.、Mm-hmm. Not, I'm, I'm not saying like personal experience or anything. I'm just saying you do this because. Mm-hmm. Is what I'm getting at, and there's a reason why you do this, and it's like it's, it's cool to say all these cool things and these cool quotes, and but have you used that as an example in your life? And like to be able to tell somebody, like, you know, I say this all the time, but this is an instance where it worked for me, right? And and that's what I relate to too, because you didn't say it in these words, but I I value like what I say off of success su-、right. success rates, yeah. And if something that I've seen other people use countless times works for them and provides success in that situation. Those are things. Those are tools that I want to take for myself. I, I want to build the toolbox, and I want to build it with tools that were successful before. And I take comfort in success, and that's how I kind of like measure everything up. 
Yeah. The mindset you have, um, have you always been like that or how did you get to that point? I, I, I'm starting to feel like I've always been like that. I'm just recognizing it more so or, a, yeah. or like, I, I hate to say labeling, but, but f- more finding a direction for it. Uh-huh. I've always been that kind of person and I've always been a leader and I've always been optimistic and hardly phased by anything. And it's now it's more so like I'm more like in the mind state where, man, we are all so powerful as human beings. Like we can all have this mind. We can all live a positive lifestyle. We can all move in a positive direction. Everybody's capable of that. Yeah. Every single person is capable of that. Optimism is powerful. Yeah, it's very and it's contagious. Yeah. You know, and you ever be around somebody who's like super positive, super positive, and then you're like away from them for a day and you feel like you're retracting. Yeah. Like, and you're taking steps back or something. It's like, man, I just want to get back on that positive zone. Yeah. You know, and it, it, I just think positivity is super, super contagious. We, me and Chris have an, uh, an episode to talk about like surrounding yourself with good people. Yeah. 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 That's that's a huge thing. You know, you, you got to be surrounded by that positivity, rubs off on you, just makes you yeah. feel better. Because I, I guess overall, the goal is just happiness, happiness in life, you know. How, how do you feel when people don't buy into what you're trying to help them with? Or like, I just look back on like my life, you know, what I used to be because I used to be a horrible person. Um, I used to treat people bad because I've been treated bad and I'd pick on people because I was picked on and I felt like I was getting justice and my mind, my mindset, I guess, was just so small that I didn't know. I've never been exposed to anything before. So I feel like if I'm just like exposing people to that idea, maybe like, 10 years down the road they'd be like yeah i remember he talked about something like this and it's always been in my mind let me investigate this like i feel like just planting seeds is all you can do sometimes right. you know not everyone's gonna be on your page i i hear a lot like up there in mescalero it's like oh they think they're better than the better than thing is constant yeah you like know? you hear that from from mescalero people or yeah from people yeah. talking about mescalero no mescalero people saying that about each other like yeah. oh he thinks he's better than everybody he thinks he's better than everybody yeah. and i couldn't i'm like i don't think i'm better than anybody we're all have these capable things maybe i'm doing better than some mm-hmm. people but that doesn't mean i'm better than anybody yeah we we talked about that on and then that, that same episode i believe and we were talking about like um you just you got to cut that sling load or that's the way i feel um you got to not have those people around you because you can't take any type of satisfaction in being around people that don't want to see you do good and that's the way i feel that's what's happening they're like oh he used to kick it he used to yeah but growth is okay it's okay to grow <laughs> yeah i'm rooting for everybody always yeah I'm, I'm, a, I'm like man you see what that dude's doing like this so it comes awesome. from that that uh crab in the bucket bucket mentality and i saw a cool meme the other day um and it was about we all have this crab in the bucket mentality as as Native Americans. It's, it's like that on almost every every res, I believe. But then you got to look at it like, okay, crabs aren't even meant to be in a bucket. They're pulling uh-huh. each other down. Who threw us in this bucket in the first place? Why are wow. we on this reservation? What? And it kind of right. made you open your eyes, like, mm-hmm. oh, wow. I see. Wow. You know, that, yeah, that's that. where it comes. It's a generational thing of what happened to our people back 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 then. The, the why we're like this now. Why why are a lot of our people are like that now? And that whenever I re- when I recognized the fact that people were always going to feel that way about me, it helped me relax. It helped me realize, you know what? I can be anything I want and just not worry about what people say. Because no matter how good you try to be to people or no matter how good you try to do in your life, there's always going to be people there that are seeing that and they're going to go ahead and just label you with, oh, he, he's too good for us now. He used to be cool, but he thinks he's better than us now, yeah. you know? But once you find comfort and just letting yourself grow and you just say, screw all that, 
it's so like relieving i i'm so comfortable with myself now yeah. i know i'm sensitive i know i have the potential to cry on a sad movie yeah i'll bawl my eyes out at anyone's funeral i just i'm not good at funerals like um i'm okay with being this person that people make fun of because i have comfort and just letting all that go i don't know how i let it go i don't know how i'm af- not afraid to be judged anymore you know it just yeah. it just came over time maybe it's all that practicing mindfulness yeah and stuff but um me and chris were talking about one time where we remember a time where we were that way you know chris told me a story about when he was downing this other rapper one yeah. time yeah and he overcame it he said why am i doing this <laughs> yeah. you know and yeah. i liked that story it's one of yeah. my favorite stories that chris told and you mentioned it on a podcast uh but uh we're all like that i think in some sense and for people that are like that against me or us i just think that they just haven't woken up yet you know yeah i like to use like with people around me who i know they're not like buying into what it is that i'm doing i like to do like you know when you're like teaching your kid how to walk you're like you're doing it you're doing it like i do that with them every little thing they do positive i'm like see you're doing it you just don't even know it you know, <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> you know? and then yeah. just leave it at that like not elaborate it but plant that seed like you said yeah yeah well and i'm and i do want i want to boost everybody up that i know is doing a good job because it's really hard to overcome your surroundings when people are saying like oh he's too good for us now he's trying to be too cool and stuff like that and they make fun of you for trying new things i recognize that um that's a huge obstacle to overcome and so, like you're saying, you boost everybody up around you for everything, for every cool thing that they've done. That's been something I've been working on for a few years now, too. Um, I like to make people feel good. And so, like, if anyone I, I know is, like, trying to become a musician or sing or play, I really try to encourage that. Or if they're into guns, maybe, like, I'll try to give them a gun. Like, Or if they're into more of, like, talents. Um, re- reservation people, we're so ashamed. We're so, like, afraid to get out there and do things. And I want to help be the fix that erases that i want people to not be afraid to try something that they're good at you yeah. know get on stage and sing I like you that, know? Yeah. and it's it sucks to see because um like i've been around a lot of situations too where like i myself wanted to try something and you know i felt embarrassed to try and i'm still kind of that way right um but yeah, we were talking about that a little bit earlier mm-hmm. yeah yeah and so I, yeah i do my best to boost people up i think when you're talking about like your um like you're accepting of your personality traits, like being sensitive and things that you would have maybe not acknowledged before. It helps you achieve things on a grander scale. And I think maybe even in the area that we live, like, I don't know if you guys know this, or I'm sure you know it, but didn't think about it. Like your zip code your biggest determining factor of your success in life, right? So, you know, we talk about like race problems and stuff, and that's a really big issue. But like your zip code, where you come from, is a huge determining factor of what you're going to do with your life. And I think maybe when you look at, like, accept that, mm-hmm. like, I'm from a, a really small place that nothing ever happens and nobody ever makes anything of themselves. Okay, that's where I'm from. Mm-hmm. What's next? Let's yeah. move on. How do we get to the next step? My little sister, you know, she grew up in Tularosa. She got a full-ride academic scholarship to Cornell. Cornell's Ivy the University of New York. Full-ride academic, graduated in four years. You know, so to say you're from somewhere small and you can't do anything. She graduated from Cornell in four years, no four problem. Four years, no problem. That's cr- that's amazing. No, well, big shout out to her. That's yeah, a huge sure. accomplishment. For sure. I don't no. think I know anybody that graduated like that, like big school, personally. Yeah. But I mean, that's just the, the, the human potential, man. We're all capable of these things. Yeah. Yeah. You know? So. The, um, and talking about like, I keep 
harping on growth because it's important to me. And the fact that um, you told me one time that you had a rough past, mm-hmm. I don't know anything really about you, but um, seeing who you are now, you've had to have grown. And I think growth is so important. Like we can't really judge people like who they were when they were young because it takes so many years to recognize like what you need to become and to recognize your own problems as a person and stuff like that and it takes a long time to make those habits come true to be a good person so i think i always I always preach that and i know i sound like a broken record on the podcast talking about growth and growth is okay but but we judge ourselves so much too we do i judge myself and a lot say we talk about our past like we're our biggest judges like, we're the ones that talk to us tell ourselves all the time like can't believe you did that we mm-hmm. still think about it and say, I, yeah still it still hurts yeah. like a lot of the things i did to people yeah know? and like growth moving forward is a big part of growth i mean that's the biggest part of growth is just moving forward from what things have happened but i mean that's part of your character that's mm-hmm. what builds care adversity builds character have, right. you, have you been through a lot that made you um, become to where how you believe now? I always tell people I don't think I have a story. Really? But then whenever I talk about it, people are like, what the hell? <laughs> <laughs> like, I, what I, led you to that, that mindset that you have now? Um, I, I really just think that, you know, like, I, I grew up really poor. Mm-hmm. Like, all of us did. Yeah. You know, I grew up really poor, but I didn't feel poor. Uh-huh. You know, and it was always like, I mean, I remember when we moved here from Dallas, I was only like four years old. We lived in somebody's little farmhouse. It has one room. It's about the size of this room. And there was a sink. There was a tub. There was like a toaster and there was a TV in there. Yeah. And we all slept on the floor. Yeah. That didn't mean anything to me. It was just like I was with my family. It didn't matter to me. Yeah. And like I, I never recognized anybody as having more than I, rec- than, I, than I did. And so like, yeah, we had some hard times growing up. But it was like I, I just took it on the chin. But, but then at the same time, I'm still trying to discover what it is that sets us apart from our siblings. If we had the exact same upbringing, why did they turn out different? You know, I don't understand that yet. And I want to get to the point where I understand that. Like, why didn't my siblings develop the same mentality that I had? Mm-hmm. Even though we were close in age and things happened. How, how are you different from them? Uh, I'm, and I don't want to dive too deep into this, but I mean, my brother's in prison. Oh, okay. You know, and, and my sister is one of those she's i don't want to say she's anti-social but she doesn't she she would prefer not to have like a large group of friends she likes to do things on her own and you know sometimes maybe a little hard on herself mm-hmm. and I, i'm i'm very like free-flowing and i'm not really that hard on myself because like the things that i've done are the things that i've done and i'm so prepared to move forward I think of more of what can I do, not what have I done, mm-hmm. you know. Sometimes I get um, a little too lost in that, in the thought of, like, what makes us who we are. And sometimes I, I kind of wonder, like, dang, what if we're just kind of born with a gift, you know, um, that allows you to reflect, have, like, self-reflection and pinpoint your own problems and try to become better? Because uh, I kind of think that's a gift. You know, you see people out there that are just so evil and they don't take any regard to people's feelings they live that way their whole life and they're just toxic everyone they're around maybe they're abusive in some way and they didn't maybe they weren't born with that gift to recognize that they're just always hurting people and they're just constantly just living selfishly you know yeah and there's a lot of evil people in the world um i don't know any like personally i guess that are that that bad that that extreme but you know you hear stories and stuff and read that and you see pictures of stories in the news and stuff of people just being evil 
but I always wonder like is it is it a gift is it something you're born with or is this something that uh, everyone has a chance to acquire like just try to live life live a good life be a good person you know I believe in that I really like firmly believe in okay let's talk about like really quick pre pre uh, genetic predisposition mm-hmm. so pre- genetic predisposition like say you have a certain gene or a certain trait in your DNA it's whether or not you allow your mind to activate that gene right because then your brain and your body will start really focusing on focusing in on that trait or that gene so like what are you allowing yourself to activate like you can stop it you could change your mind about it do like and you can take the attention away so that that doesn't become your it doesn't get the attention and and doesn't develop into a mental function Mm -hmm. and so that's where i like believe in rewiring rewire refiring the brain is say you do have a genetic disposition to be you know even mentally unstable or be quote unquote a bad person there's always a, a way to make an adjustment so when you believe all of that are you rewiring your brain you're believing it's just in your brain and that's it there's no nothing I, else? I believe that you're you guys are both it guys right yeah i believe in like the brain being like the motherboard for everything uh-huh. and it's like when our consciousness focuses in i'm talking about even like cancerous cells uh, alcoholism, drug addiction. When we're told that, you know, and we're talking about the power of belief, this is the same thing. When we're told that and we tell ourselves, oh, I'm going to get breast cancer. My mom has it. Mm-hmm. I'm going to be an alcoholic. My dad was, you know, my my parents abandoned me. And when I were just alcoholics, they, they didn't take care of me. I'm going to end up the same way. The more you acknowledge that, the more that you become that. Mm-hmm. And I do think that your brain's in control. I completely believe that your mind's in control. Of all so what would you say about like the conscious and subconscious mind? Do you believe in that? I believe that. Yeah, I do. I believe that reaching, I'm still learning about like your pineal glands and things mm-hmm. like that. But those are things that are separate parts of your brain that you have to activate. And I think maybe as you're younger, you have more access to that. But as the more things build up in your mind, it's harder to get away from that, which is like being mindful, being present, starting to get into a meditative state will help you access different parts of your brain. And I believe in the subconscious more so as as it's a less accessible part of the brain. Yeah. That's kind of how I see it. Mm -hmm. I um, haven't looked into this or studied it enough to like want to say I know anything about it, but I feel that there are people in like, you know, we all know one in a town. Like you can just be around them, talk to them. Everybody knows this one person that's just like, you don't feel like they have it all upstairs. You don't feel like they're very even capable of like recognizing complex thoughts. And sometimes I feel like that's where I feel like you're born with a gift. Because no matter what you tell, like these people that I'm talking, I don't want to single people out, but. Uh, no, I know exactly what yeah, you're saying. You're just like, there's no way that this person can be mindful. Just right. just talking to him for five minutes, he's he's just lost. You know, he's just thinking about what bubble gum he wants to buy next, or he's just thinking about you know, what he's gonna have for dinner. And <laughs> I don't know. It's just I feel like there's. That's why I wanted to bring it up. It's because I kind of feel like you know you kind of got to be born partially with a gift too. Yeah, I understand that. Yeah. And I, maybe I mean maybe with that I never really thought about it in that sense. Like, Maybe they're just functioning on a different part of the brain than we are. Like mm-hmm. you said, I don't, I'm not educated enough on it to. I'm not to really yeah. tap into it. But I mean, the 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 anatomy of the brain is something that no doctors still understand fully. Yeah, there's yeah. no one doctor who can tell you everything about every part of the brain. Mm-hmm. It's just, I mean, it's we could we could tell you about how deep the ocean is, but we can't tell you about our own 
<laughs> with uh, that, with that being said, um, I don't know if I was leading you into this earlier, but I kind of feel blessed that I'm able to be so like mindful of what's going on around me because whenever I try to like sum up like things that I've done in my life, like my big accomplishments, and I think to myself like, wow, you know, like a lot of people that I grew up with might not have been so capable of going through what I went through. And I think it might be because might be because I was like mindful during those situations, and right. I recognize the gravity of the situation, um, the gravity of the success, and like even right now, like I'm trying to become an engineer in IT, and that's kind of like for me, I feel like that's over my head. Like given the circumstances, I didn't grow up. I grew up like I guess like in in a smarter category, but come on, I came from like Mescalero, Redoso, Tilgosa. Yeah. We're not known for breeding out like too many geniuses, like. We're not like some suburb in California right, right. where you pay for private education, where you have those opportunities put in front of you. Um, I came, like I said, off the reservation, and I'm trying to become an engineer. Whenever I boil, when I boil things down like that, and I'm like, well, I am proud of that. I am trying to do something that's kind of bigger than me today, and I feel blessed. I feel blessed that I'm able to recognize that that's a big task. I'm trying to accomplish it. I may be successful soon, and I don't know. I just take satisfaction and things like that. I feel blessed, I guess. For you, it wouldn't be blessed, right? right you would right. be uh, yeah, fortunate. I, for, I, don't fortunate. Know. I don't know. Maybe. But yeah, like I, I definitely see what you're saying. And I think maybe some of us are just born with the ability to hone in on certain things better than others. Yeah. Because I mean, there's obviously something that that you're going to be way better at than what I am. Yeah. You know, and it's not even because you spent more time doing it. Mm-hmm. It just came more naturally to you. Mm-hmm. You know, and I mean, I, I, obviously, I wouldn't know the explanation for that. But, I mean, it's something to be admired. I admire stuff like that in everybody. And, like, I mean, look, I'm different. You're different. Look at Chris. Um, I feel like he's a super successful DJ. He knows all his equipment inside and out. He created pretty much the podcast. His design skills blow me away. Like, he be, he wanted, he was interested in an idea, and he became successful doing that. And I can't understand his interests because they're so different than mine. But I know that there's like, for me, it's like something like innate. It's like something like in his DNA or in his brain, like he was born with something that allows him to pursue. Because I can't, like I said, relate to the things he's accomplished, but he's done big things, you know. Do you feel like like there's things that you just want to dial in on specifically and like, like you just recognize, okay, I have a niche for this. I'm going to dial in on this and kind of have, I don't want to say, have le- I guess, yeah, have less ambition to be good at. Yeah, Great other things. Definitely, I well, well, my my belief is I believe that um I'm a spiritual I'm a spiritual being, and I just came to this earth to become a human and see what it's like to be a human. <laughs> so cer- certain interests definitely spark more than uh, others. Others do. Right. Yeah, and um, that's what I want to talk about earlier when you said um like because being mindful and everything like I'm so with it I'm so like that's awesome and then, and then when you said that we die and we just go off into <laughs> dust that kind of hit like that kind of hit me a different way I wanted to ask like more questions like that's to me that just seems crazy you know like I can't I can't believe that like on a, on a simpler scale do you guys feel like like spiritualism and religion came from fear of death definitely well y- yeah 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 I mean, that, that's what I guess what I struggle with the most with uh-huh. spiritualism and religion is like, were we so afraid of what happens? Are we the only, I mean, we're the only creatures on earth who are afraid of what happens to us after we die. Yeah. And it's like, I mean, obviously, though, that would also chime in why a spiritual or religious person would say, yeah, why do we as humans 
have that fear. It was placed in us somewhere from something. Because it is scary to think about it. You just, if you think, I'm just going to die and this is it and that's all, <laughs> That's that gets me sad. That makes me depressed, you know? And, but, another, but I don't know. How, how does that make, how do you, how are you comfortable with that? That's what I'm trying to. I, trying I, think, to, I think it's more so like it's a compare and contrast thing, uh, right? So like I grew up on my mom's side of the family. My mom has like really pretty hardcore Mexican side of the family yeah. and my I have my aunt's a nun uh-huh. and my grandfather's very strictly religious Yeah, and he lives life so differently because he's so confident in the afterlife mm-hmm. you cannot convince this man that there is no afterlife uh-huh. which kind of makes him care a little bit less about life on earth I get it yeah you know He's just, he's like well, well whatever I'm, I'm, I know all I, all I gotta worry about in life is that I'm going to heaven uh-huh. and it's like Okay. Like, I mean, I never heard it. He, he didn't tell me he loved me till I was probably like 18. Uh-huh. You know, he's one of those dudes, like one of those people who doesn't express emotion. And that, that was who? That was your... That's my grandfather. Your grandfather, my okay. Is he the one that raised you or... No, no, no. I was just, you know, I, I just, I spent a lot of time around him more so than it, than anybody. But uh-huh. I just, I didn't know that I agreed that like I'm living a life now for an afterlife uh-huh. like why can't I just live my life now for my life now I see what you you know yeah, yeah, yeah. I kind of just had that more of that perspective I feel like and that's okay. why I keep going by like, there should be a balance you know like mm-hmm. I think maybe that might be an extreme case of like faith um, but I, I do believe balance is everything I don't I don't mean to like sound comical about it but like you ever hear that like people get religious when they get old they find God the older they yeah. get them because <laughs> yeah, they don't want to go to hell yeah it's like my like my mom you know she's get, she's like now she's super religious and I'm like we never went to church <laughs> I think yeah. something that kind of like freaks me out a little bit like what you're saying is like it works for you but I think that it could be an extreme it could be an extreme in, in a sense that's not good for a lot of people because I think like having that spiritual belief and that faith leads people to live good lives yeah I agree mm-hmm. yeah and I, 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 I think if we took that away from everybody I think the world would kind of be chaos you know i agree i agree that that religion and spiritualism has been like a blueprint for morals Mm -hmm. i do agree with that but like i always take and and i've had some good responses to this uh this topic but it's like what about like let's just let's just go back let's go back 200 years and let's take these people who are coming and homesteading right and let's just say somebody it was just a mom a dad and they had a baby out in the woods mm-hmm. were religious great people morally sound and they were just good to each other you know based off nothing but the fact that there was some sort of chemical connection that drew them to have love and compassion for one another yeah. you know do these people go to heaven do they have an afterlife they never like professed their you know devotion to anything yeah and religion's not perfect it doesn't have right. like the answer for everything yeah yeah that's i don't think that's up that's up to the person to decide like what am i comfortable with disregarding and what am i how much is this religion worth to me what am i you know because a lot of it's based on faith like we just have to like just trust and i think that's where you're not comfortable you're like i don't want to just trust you well, know I, I think that if if i strive to be a good person and treat others well mm-hmm. that if there was an afterlife i'd already have a seat whether i yeah. acknowledged it or not yeah you yeah. know what i mean yeah. whether i acknowledge it or not i, yeah. I, I should have a seat exactly yeah. so i like and i like that that's probably like one of my most favorite things that you've said um about in like i said i'm christian you know right. but like if you're not going to be christian i feel like that's probably the best way to go about it you right. know because <laughs> I, I believe 
we all need to be good people you know yeah. be good to one another yeah and i and i know i mean we all know amazing people who are on both ends of the spectrum <laughs> yeah know? yeah we do it's just all it's just all up to you and, and kind of like what you believe um you got any more questions while we're on this topic chris um I got a whole bunch, but I'm just trying to put them into words. <laughs> <laughs> okay, I, I know this is one of your favorite subjects. If you want to come back to yeah. this, um, I got another another um, topic that I want to talk about. Okay. Um, but if you want to come back to this, it, it's totally okay. We can definitely dive back into this. It's so rich. You know, like yeah. there's so much conversation we can have. But uh, do, you, do you feel comfortable talking about about that? Absolutely. Yeah. Absolutely. Absolutely. I, I don't. I don't denounce anything. Uh huh. And I'm not like completely driven by belief in anything. Yeah. And I'm so content. The way my life is without having to acknowledge either an afterlife or a higher being. Uh-huh. So, I mean, I've always been comfortable around it. Yeah. I've always been comfortable around it. More so because I'm comfortable in myself and I, I know deep down inside that I'm morally a sound person. Mm-hmm. I don't really have no qualms with it. That's I have the most respect for you for even feeling that way because, you know, there's people out there that might not believe in religion and they take it so extreme oh, and it seems it's very so unhealthy. You know? it's, it's, well, I, I could say that I've been I've been the person that actually took it extreme at mm-hmm. a, a, a point in my life. I was a, I was real extreme. I was hardcore Christian, and I believed that uh, if you didn't if you didn't um, talk about if if you didn't repent and trust in Jesus Christ and accept Him as your Savior, you're gonna go to hell. And I believed like that for so long. I don't believe like that at all. I wouldn't even say I'm Christian anymore. Right. I would. I I I don't. I hate putting labels on stuff. That's why yeah. I, I really like how you talk about. My, being mindful and being in the moment and man there's just so many things that we, we can sit there and talk about for hours and hours but like i mean just real quick like like we'll just i mean for argument's sake can you take those people who are extremists extreme atheists extreme whatever yeah um like i mean i i could sit and be argumentative like my mom tells my mom like i said is a strong believer in god now and it's like i get in a wreck and she's like well see god's looking out for you and then <laughs> I, I could argue and be like well god wouldn't let me wreck yeah, you know yeah, what I yeah, mean. Yeah. You, it could, you could look at it either way. You yeah, know what yeah. I mean. And and it, I mean, the, the arguments could go on forever. They can. Yeah. Or you could say you are a little piece of God, and you put yourself in that situation <laughs> for the experience to talk about on a podcast. Right? <laughs> yeah. You know what I'm saying? yeah. I mean, there's just so many ways to look at it. You were supposed to wreck. You know. Like, yeah. Right. And then, and sometimes for me, I don't have to have a reason for everything. Yeah. yeah. I just I'm okay with some things just being as they are. Yeah, you know, and then you spend. Some people spend so much time over analyzing things, and it's like, mm-hmm. man, just let's just enjoy it. And just be on. in the moment. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, yeah. maybe it. that should be the name of this man, podcast. Just be in the moment. And you get those people, <laughs> yeah. like people who are depressed. You know, they're like, why am I so? De-? Or no, no, I'm sorry, I didn't mean to go that direction. Like people are depressed and they're happy one day. They're like, why am I so happy? Yeah, like, I don't understand it enough to like. Why can't you just be happy? Just, yeah, yeah, definitely. Yeah. And oh shoot, I just lost it all. <laughs> I was too much in the moment. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, right? Well, that's good. I'll come back to that. <laughs> like like yeah. I said, Chris, I do not mind if you want to come back to this. But uh, before I forget, um, uh-huh. we had talked about something that I think we probably need to start talking about now. So we don't, because we're at an hour and a half. Oh, wow. Yeah. Okay. Yeah, we're gonna, this is going to be a, a uh-huh. good podcast. But yeah. um, me and Josh were talking about some, Chris. We we're talking about, I don't want to frame this for you. Do you want to frame it? Yeah, I can frame it. Okay. So it started with me. I have like somewhat of a discontent for ge- generations before me. Uh-huh. And it's kind of also touches on the environmental side of things. Like I think us, our generation, maybe a generation a little bit before us also, and the generation to come, we're left to clean up this crazy mess that the people before us left, right? Yeah, yeah. 
So we're talking about political platforms, all these old people in office, and it's like they can't relate to us. And that also maybe falls into like you can't lead unless you found somebody. They don't know us well enough to lead us, right? So I'm real big on like the youth here, and I'm like this started with a conversation in my town where we dumped so much money into the senior citizen program who I feel like are the people who left us with this mess, right? So this, they didn't know any better. These people were responsible for possibly segregation, people who were... You know, just did things that that now we look back on as morally wrong because they are morally wrong, but now we're recognizing them, right? Mm-hmm. So you're just talking about a, this crazy generation of people that came before us who left us to pick up this huge mess. I mean, we're talking everything from Social Security to, you know, where our stock market's at to the to the leaders that we have in office. And I I started thinking about this because... This the way reason I brought it to blue was because we come from like myself, my peers in Tularosa, and maybe my family. We come from a place where we can say that about our elderly people, yeah, because it it's it's pretty much undeniable. Whereas you, you know, the Mescalero Apache people really value their elders yeah in like a sense that is like it, it's it's amazing to see and my perspective on it was that like you guys had everything taken from you yeah you know and 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 from the outside looking in it seemed like you guys were cruising along in a pretty good direction or just maintaining a simple direction as far as you know living mm-hmm. your normal lives and there was an outside interruption uh-huh. whereas like the dynamic that we have and our society is that these things were created for us as they were taken from other people, whatever it may be. That's what our foundations are built on. So we don't really like, we're allowed to show discontent for our elders. And I thought like in comparison, how that parallels with the way you guys feel about your elders and, and maybe, you know, you know, it's somewhat controversial, but the situations that maybe they were all in. Yeah. You know, we absorbed a lot. And you guys have absorbed a lot more so in a sense of things that were taken from you. Uh-huh. And these are things that are kind of thrown on our lap that we're dealing with. So so your issue, is it with the fact that we care so much for our elders? No, no. I'm just, I'm wondering in the sense that like, our, how do you feel looking at me talking about my people that came before me? with discontent what do you mean your people like 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 my grandparents oh my my family where, where were they from or what? that's the thing is i don't have traces to that these are oh, really? these are people who like these are like my grandparents my great-grandparents who thought like oh segregation was cool oh, okay oh let's let's uh let's buy into this social security yeah. let's vote for these people let's not worry about the environment Oh, you know, you'll, let's worry about TV dinners. And I'm saying, how do you guys who, who cherish your elders view somebody like me who's saying, man, my elders really screwed me over? Your, uh, and your discontent lies with the fact that um, the American government is set up in a way that takes care of and it puts a lot of emphasis in taking care of American elders. Right. Like white, right. Um, Anglo-Saxon, Caucasian. I mean, let's just, let's just. I mean, if you want to put numbers to it, over forty percent of all American households are single-family households, right? Mm-hmm. So then, this was an established idea back then that it's like you know, married with children is the way you're supposed to live your life. You know, you build a family, you go work somewhere for your whole life, build a retirement, and this is a structure that was built in the in like in the fifties, right? Right, in yeah, the fifties, yeah, yeah. and now it's like this is so far gone 
and belief to what's really what is reality and so what i'm saying is to how i mean i'm trying to say how do i i don't want to say like forget about a generation but there has to be something taken from what we're putting into that to give to our youth to ensure our future are you talking about sharing (sighs) our resources a little bit more um, I'm saying balancing resources. Balancing resources, right? So, like for me, I'll take I'll take the small town scale level. Mm-hmm. Stop buying uh, vans to deliver meals in a town as small as Tule. Uh-huh. Whenever I can't even get a basketball goal set up for my kid, to play. Uh-huh. I can't get a sports facility for my kid to practice. You don't know how hard it is for us to have practice for football because we don't have no money for a little field, but there's. 15 vans parked outside of the senior center that they just built brand new senior center. Mm -hmm. I see what you're saying. You know, and it's like, I talk about, I'm just saying whenever I think about like my close friends, you know, and, and Mescalero, you guys would, it seems to me, at least from my perspective, you would never talk about your elders in that sense. I think for like a lot for like the Apache people, um, we always like overcare for people that can't care for themselves. You know, and then that's kind of like the way it is with babies. Like they, we take care of our babies, and we overcare for them. The family, you'll you'll see a baby, a newborn get passed around like all okay. these hands, yeah. and you just care. We just care so much, and um, like like the women, like in my mind, like I feel like we should be taking care of like the women, and it's kind of a different structure than most um, other societies because. Well, Hispanic society is close too with women. You know, they right, have their yeah. more of a role. Yeah, and stuff. It's, it's not like more equal opportunity style living. But so uh, the Apaches have like that weird sense of like protection. Like we protect our elders, and our elders fall right into that too. Okay, I've uh, never heard it put like that. That's really yeah. Really it's just interesting. like it's a weird like sense of that's not the but way. It I, makes sense that way though. It's the way yeah. I felt about it. Right. I can't say like that's like um, something that was written down anywhere. And that's where I struggle a lot with like my cultures because nothing was ever written. So I just gotta like listen to people and stuff, you know. And it, you know, a lot of the times when you're taught something, you're not given a reason. Um, so like if I was like younger, you, people would tell me like you always take care of your elders, you always let your elders eat first. And I think it's like our way of providing like our social security, like that's our way of providing our comfort. I get you. And I think where your discontent lies is um, a little bit more leaned towards like resources. Right. And and the resources that you're you're talking about, they're easier to pinpoint and put your finger on because you can sum up the money and where it's going and stuff like that. It's in numbers. You can't can't deny that. And so for us, that's that's a cultural thing. We just do it. We just taught it. And we don't have any hard feelings for it because it doesn't really involve too much like money, like financially. Yeah, it's, right. it's a good question because I never really thought about mm-hmm. that. That was just like a given, you know. Yeah. Our, our elders are the most important thing. And when right. growing up, you're just supposed to you're you're just supposed to respect them, and you're supposed to um, appreciate appreciate it, appreciate them. And and that being said, um, we take a lot of care for them and stuff. Like you know, they're 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 up there in that that last stage of life. It's a very important stage of life. Yeah. But uh, I also have discontent too because. So growing up, like, you know, the, the elders get mad at me and stuff because I don't know Apache and I didn't learn it. Right. But I was never taught it. Like my household, we didn't speak Apache all the time. And maybe it's not their fault. Maybe it's the government's fault. Maybe, but there were people around that could have made more of an effort to make sure that the younger, because we're just kids, we don't know any better. You know, I, I want to watch like Cartoon Network. I'm not trying to learn Apache. Like I, don't, I feel like I didn't have that structure. And so I have discontent too. It's because I just don't want the older generations to be blaming me for something that I had no 
right. say and learning, you know, right. things like that. Yeah, you couldn't be four years old and reach out and try to learn something like that. Yeah, and those are the most crucial stages uh, or years of your life where you're learning things, you're absorbing things. That's the best time to learn a language. Mm-hmm. Um, the most language that I've, uh, most Apache language that I've learned came out of school. So we did have something in place, but it's, it wasn't to the point to where like all of us are fluent and our language is dying. But the younger generation, I feel like, is getting blamed for that language uh, dying. Yeah, yeah. I feel like it's not our fault. I feel like I said, and, and now in, in your sense too, that's kind of like almost, I guess you can relate with talking about we need to balance our resources. Why are we taking so much care of like the older generation? They're the ones that put us in this in right. this bad situation to begin with, you know? So I kind of get what you, and I agree with you there, but like you said, um, when we're talking about it, it's controversial. And so we got to be careful, you know, how we say not to and offend people. Right, and it's and yeah. it's difficult. And I and like the way you're talking about, like, you know, putting it on a more like on a, I guess you could say like a, a measurable scale. Yeah, a scale, right? And I think maybe even with like an elderly, I'm saying elderly, like 55 older, is like, um, you're trying to you're trying to. Uh, not be favored like favor your family mm-hmm. right like on a larger scale ah. you know it's like I, I know i love my grandfather but it's like they couldn't admit that they were wrong mm-hmm. they got it wrong yep and we're the ones who are absorbing that and it's like you all made this mistake and instead of saying look i messed up i want the younger generation to take over and see what they can do <laughs> yeah it's like they're adamant they're adamant it's our mistake they're adamant we're responsible for footing the bill for these things. And it's like, I wish, I mean, I know it's not realistic, but I wish there was a point where it's like somebody just said, okay, from this age to this age, you don't get a say anymore. Yeah. <laughs> Let the kids do what they're going to do. They can't mess it up any worse than you did. What would you say one of the main mistakes that the, the elders had that they got it wrong? Um, I think for me, for me and maybe for my family, it's, it's really based on ignorance, ignorance of not understanding the dynamic of cultures and what it entails. You know, like I'm going to use my my white grandparents as an example. Mm. They're from Dallas. I mean, all my family's from Dallas, but they're like Texan Texan. Yeah. So um, there's there's a, still a lot, a lot of racism there and they're ignorant that the fact that they're racist yeah, that that's my big. I mean, I could go on forever, but I'll give you an example. And and you know, this is probably gonna upset some people, my, and it upset me. Um, my son's mom is from Mescalero. Yeah. Okay. And so I take my son to meet my grandparents for the first time, and my grandma's like, "Oh, look at you! You look like Pocahontas." <laughs> and then call, calling my son Tonto, uh-huh. and I'm like, I mean, I'm just, I'm just like, you can't be serious. Ignorance. Yeah. Like yeah. it's pure ignorance, and like. But can you blame someone for being ignorant because they don't know? That's well, the well. I mean, I, I think it's more so in the fact that people have this idea that they knew what was best and they won't let go of it, mm-hmm. and that's where I'm getting at, like acknowledging your wrongdoings. Ah, and then like for me, another thing that's that's difficult is, I mean, it's no secret. Like the the '90s was the first generation where kids were going to make less than their parents. Right before that. The kid always grew up to make more money than their parents made. Oh, I, so, I didn't even know. That. I didn't yeah, even know that. Yeah, that was the first generation to start making less money than their parents. And it's like, where did that go wrong? Where yeah. was their responsibility? I mean, I feel like there's a selfishness there. And it's like we guaranteed all this money, 
in retirement, social securities and things like that. And it was almost like another part of ignorance. Like you fell for this. Mm-hmm. You fell for this. You thought it was going to work. That's okay. Just say you're wrong and move on. But that generation of people are like, these kids don't know what they're doing. They don't know what they're talking about. We're still barely fighting for equality. Yeah. Barely. Yeah. Barely fighting for equalities. And it's like, it's because the younger generation stepped up and did it. Mm-hmm. You know, and it, but, but yet the same people who left us in this situation were just dumping money into and dumping money into and dumping money into. Do you, do you feel like there might have been like um, bigger issues at hand as time was going on that didn't allow us to fight for equality? I feel like we can fight for equality now because, you know, we're not in, we're not at a war. You know, we're not fighting for things. We're not in Vietnam. We're not in World War One. You know, we're not in a, in a depression. You know, um, I feel like maybe there might have been like I'm not trying to back up like yeah, the no, I know older generations, saying. but I'm just curious like on where you think our attention I was. Just, I just think on a scale. Like, let, let's just talk about, like, a scale of, like, a time frame. The Americans, you know, late 1700s were building America, and there's slavery running rampant, you know? You know, you know in 200 years, we had slavery. Mm-hmm. Meanwhile, also oppressing the indigenous communities or elite or completely wiping them out. Yeah. You know, this took place in 200 years. And then you move on. Okay, you're talking mid late 1800s we abolished slavery but the ignorance is still there right and it's like we're still that's when the indian war started happening and we're still like where are we going to register that the white adult male is not the say all for the entire world Mm -hmm. yeah you know and it's i I still feel like that's the consensus for a lot of people yeah it never got that thought process never got eliminated in america Mm -hmm. i think it takes a long time to um like that change that you're talking about i think it just takes a really long time it takes generations and generations for people to start making that like the small ripple effect we're talking about you know maybe when one person's born in a society somewhere where they realize exactly what you're talking about they're like, you know what? I don't like this, and that's you. You're you're that guy in your generation, right? And you're making that change, and hopefully, other people are like, yeah, I like what Josh is saying, and stuff. And that's for me. That's why the podcast is so important. It's like um, a guy like you is able to come on and be like, hey, man, I, I don't, I'm not really okay with this. Um, why aren't more people voicing this? Why are we so ignorant to these things? And then hopefully, you know, the podcast pushes it out to enough ears where it's like, yeah, you know what? He's right. Um, why are we still paying for all these mistakes for you know our prior generations? Um, some, something that's I think a little bit more hard for us to actually compare to is our cultures are so different. Right. Um, Escalero Apache people are so different, and the the way that we're affected by by um, things like that, it's on a much uh, smaller scale than what you're saying. Um, I like I was saying earlier, like the American government, not not the right. Native American government, but the American government. It's those comp, those issues are there's a lot of layers there's a lot of complexity to it yeah and i feel like um i'm definitely not equipped to handle that argument right right, right. that's why i mean that's one of those things where i try to keep it a small scale it's yeah like, how, how receptive is the tribe to young leadership ah they're not really no uh, it, it's changing it's changing the president we have now i think did a great job of changing that yeah he's a, I, he's, a, he's a young i mean i yeah. would consider him a younger when generation. he ran for council i i remember hearing a bunch of people talking crap say, uh older people oh He's not. He don't know what he's getting himself into, and he like he he was so inspiring to me and to a lot of other young people. What what is the term for a tribal president? Same four years. 
as 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 long as many times as people keep voting them in. Okay. Like Wendell Chino served a right, right. How long? Forever. <laughs> yeah. So it's as long. Yeah. I mean, to me, like, I mean, this is just my perspective in a grander scheme. But four years isn't a long time to give somebody. Oh, it's two years. I'm sorry. Yeah, that's years. what you're asking. Yeah, even it's two, two years. years isn't a long time to give somebody an opportunity to change something. To like, oh, oh like when you, the next time is for like another election or a vote. Right. Like you, you. I mean, to me, it's worth a gamble to endure two years to try to make something different happen. Definitely not enough time to make change. No. 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 But um, yeah, what you're saying, I I think we probably got like a little too far, yeah. like thinking like on those bigger scales. But right, right, yeah, you're right. Putting it back down a little bit, um, for us on the on the reservation, we are seeing change and we see it quick. Um, if there's a change like that to happen, it's big news because, like, um, Gabe getting elected to the presidential. When he when he got elected, like Chris was saying, we were like, oh man, it can be done. You can be young and. So, right. like, we see it right away. But, like, here, I don't know. Like, I don't have an answer for you as far as, like, your discontent and stuff like that. I mean, I, I could tell you, like, the structure here is, mm-hmm. like, you walk into a building, like a town meeting, let's say. And uh, I would definitely by far be the youngest person there. Oh, okay. And it's like, why isn't there more of you? And it's like, well, I mean, these kids grow up respecting you all so much that it almost became a fear of running against you yeah, or standing up yeah. against you. And they respect you on such a high level. And these are like figures in our small community, you know, and it's like, uh, I don't, nobody wants to stir the pot. Yeah. And see, I'm different in the sense that I grew up here. I'm not related to anybody here. Yeah. You know, I have a very small family. And so like, I don't have that burden of saying, you know, I don't want to upset somebody who did this and this for my family, blah, blah, blah. Like, it's a, for me, it's a little bit easier to stir the pot, I think. Mm-hmm. But still, people who grew up respecting somebody that much older than them. Like, you were talking about the Mexican dynamic is very similar. Mm-hmm. They did respected their elders in that sense. And nobody wants to stand up against what the what, what the wrongdoings may be. Right. And, and like I said, it goes back to ignorance. Not, not like anybody's saying, it, man, you're so wrong. You shouldn't have done it. It's like, can you just please admit your wrongdoings and let's be clear? I will play devil's advocate and, and um, against you and say, like, you know, maybe like I was saying, like for me when I was like 21, I was in no position to ever run for any type of um, like maybe council or anything like that. But now from 30 to 35, you know, I feel like I got my head right. screwed on a lot better yep, and I can make better decisions. Absolutely. But, and I think maybe that's where we got to keep where I want to keep going back to is like we got to find balance. Mm. Maybe where it's not too old and not too young, maybe right in the middle or something like that. And I think that's where like, I mean, I, I wouldn't expect you guys to know off the top of your head, but like in your own communities to find out what the average age of your community is. Right. Mm-hmm. For us, it's it's like mid to late 30s. Mm. And. And I think in the in the United States, the average age is like thirty two to thirty five, probably. Oh, really? Yeah. So I mean, to see more faces like that in influential positions, I mean, of, of that age group in influential positions, I think would be a lot more powerful. That's what you would so like. Now to be is done. our time to shine. Kind yeah. Of like. Yeah, and I, I mean, I think right now what's restrictive, and I mean, we'll, we'll get past this election or whatever. I don't want to get too far into politics. Is is the force getting forced into subscribe to labels yeah 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 our our gen i really feel like our generation of people is like i don't want to be the one of those yeah i just want to i just want to say what i believe in and 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 hopefully somebody votes for me Mm -hmm. or somebody you know what i mean and i think maybe 
you guys don't have that stuff in the tribal like there's just no sides right <laughs> no there's kind of I maybe mean, maybe like family yeah or something. like it's it's is your family it's hard to say i don't know but i mean is yeah. there like is there would you there's say not it? a republican democrat thing though. right no, that's what yeah, i was getting yeah. at like is there like a conservative side or like somebody who's you no. know or no, yours would probably be more like traditional versus modern I mean, it, that it, is a that is a factor, um, traditional versus versus modern because because Gabe has a very modern way of thinking. Uh, yeah, like, I think he's long, very traditional too. I think a long so. time ago it was more frowned upon, like if you didn't know your language, like why are you trying gotcha. to run. But now, you know, people are recognizing like it's a new time, and mm. there's like there's like small things like that that are, but for our community, we're like, I don't know, we're more like communist style yeah, to yeah. where everybody just wants to look out for everybody all the time right, right. that's like the general general feeling so i don't think there's really been much of a need to try to change that right because the way we're able to take care of ourselves and we have the in it provides all the funding yeah. and stuff like that so i don't want to like go even further off subject but i thought it was interesting for people who don't who don't understand the dynamic that you guys have and knowing in this now everything's coming together in this conversation now when you're talking about people taking care of people who can't take care of themselves there was like an executive decision made to look out for yourselves primarily during the COVID situation. Mm -hmm. Uh And I mean, I thought that was extremely admirable and it was like, no, we're focusing on our people first. Yeah. Forget everything else. You know, I'm talking about with the roads being closed and and the lockdowns and you saw so many people who have no idea what the culture like is up there (laughs) saying, I can't believe they're doing this. And it's like, yeah, people chiming in that have no no clue. And you're absolutely right by saying it's very admirable because whenever we make that decision, we're just gonna have to live with the fact that everybody that doesn't understand that that lives around us is gonna judge us harshly. Right. And when that decision was made, I was like, well, I'm glad that you know they made a they made a strong decision, looking out for just the people, don't care what anybody else around us thinks. Like, and it's cool to be part of that that reservation. We can. It's interesting for sure. You know, we can see that stuff being done from the inside right. and see how f- people feel feel about it on the outside. And that's where we talk about like ignorance and stuff. You right. know, you can see high levels of that. But that, um, that's one thing I love about our reservation. Like at the end of the day, we do come together for like the big things, you know. Right. Yeah. We might fight a, a fight around about a bunch of small stuff, but the big things like that, we do come together. Yeah. And, and we're, we have, all, we're all real proud of. We of, have the strays that, that yeah. don't want to follow the rules and stuff. Yeah. But like every society has that, yeah. you know. But yeah, we all have that kind of that strong sense of we just all want to take care of our people. I don't know if we'll ever kind of um, lean away from like that communistic style right. living. I don't quite know exactly what our reservation is as far as that goes, but it feels kind of like a communist yeah, state. Yeah. One know? thing I wish that our elders would uh, would dis- would be quiet about is uh, marijuana. I mean, right. our, I, I believe our most of our elders are still brainwashed believing that marijuana is a drug right. and it's bad. And if we would have if we would have started growing marijuana back, uh, maybe in 2011, yeah. or having our own farms, we we wouldn't have to be dependent on the casino now. We, yeah, we right. Have it open. We we could have been we could have been good. Yeah. we could have been like living it up with yeah. the fact that it's not legal anywhere else. We had we could have probably done it on the reservation. But there's so many elders that were taught. Like even even we were taught in school that it was bad. It's a drug. That's evil. That we mm-hmm. we can't do that. Was there um like a you guys had to educate me on this. Was there, let's just say, a time before, you know, colonization and stuff like that happened? There was no like inebriants 
for the Mescalero people. It was there. I mean, it, was there like what does that mean? Like, there's no intoxicants, nothing to get high off of. Nobody, no mind altering drugs that were like used. Not that we know. Of. We 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 smoke. Our people smoked high cheetah. Right. That doesn't that doesn't get you anyway. No. But I don't know. To, to, to be honest, I kind of think there there was, but they t- took it away from us. I I I kind of believe our people used DMT back in way back then. I I because I, 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 how else would we got the crown dancers? I did a lot of I did a lot of reading and stuff like that, and I never popped up anywhere. It's not written, but yeah. that's the problem with our culture is that none of it was written. You know, yeah. so it's hard it's hard to go. We have to just go off of what other people that um, observed us wrote. Yeah, yeah. I don't know if they would know about something. I like guess that. I was just leading into that because like you think that the elders were like you shouldn't be doing anything that alters your mind state. Period. Mm-hmm. Yeah. You know. Yeah, right, and it, and that's where um, maybe we have a level of ignorance, you know, right. that we need to overcome. But as like the younger generations come up, we're all recognizing it. I think it's like across the board yeah. that like me and Chris's age and younger, mm, you could probably I would take a huge risk here and say like ninety five to ninety percent of people are like, you know what, let's just make marijuana legal, right. you know. Like I said, our age and younger probably believe that. Mm-hmm. So give it a few generations. I'm sure Mescaleros not going to be so against uh, marijuana and legalization stuff like that but like you said older generations have different beliefs and stuff and then i could be just ignorant myself i might not know a good reason for it but from the way i see it i don't see any reason why we shouldn't legalize it but oh well those are the rules you know and i am all about rules everybody's (laughs) like oh everyone makes fun of me for it but i like well make sure to ask that question do you have something in mind about about that about uh, if 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 we knew of a mind altering. No, I, w- I was just getting that like maybe that your your elders in your community were more questioning like why do you need anything? That, oh, I see. You know what I mean? Why do you need yeah. anything at all? Were you hinting towards alcohol? I was hinting no. towards like I guess I guess the way that my mind the way I guess that maybe I took it when you were talking about the marijuana. I was thinking for usage as uh-huh. well as well as production. Uh huh. And maybe how your elder, elders saw the usage of marijuana uh-huh. as not being necessary whatsoever. Oh, okay. yeah, yeah, you know yeah, yeah. I mean? yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, still, it's become it's more of an open discussion now. A lot of people are talking about it, so I don't know. It's changing. Maybe we're getting over that. I just remember the like back in 2011, there was a couple council people, and it it, it was it gets on my nerves how whenever uh, young kids were going up to them. Asking them about what was their belief, what was their take on marijuana? Should we start growing it in our reservation? And a lot of the older people that were running, that were still traditional, were like, "No, that's wrong. We shouldn't be doing that because we have a big meth problem on the res. We have, we already have a big alcohol problem on the res, <laughs> mm-hmm. and it, it and we just have to shut up and take it. You know, that yeah. kind of pisses yeah. me off now because we're in this situation where we're just dependent on the casino. We're you know? we're definitely like closed off when it comes to. Like, I don't know how many people that get into council like that, like that you're talking about. Oh, have, I saw it firsthand. I'm just saying, like, I don't know how many of them have, like, education or have oh, gone yeah. to college. Mm-hmm. And, you know, who knows? Maybe they never left the reservation and yeah. they have, like, a different way of thinking. Yeah. And I feel like when you get out in the world and you actually, like, see a lot of different things, you move away from the reservation, um, you get opened up to a lot of different things like that, different um, mind states and stuff. And that's what it did for me. So when I came back, um, I might be different, but... You know, they're just maybe they're just stuck in that old way of thinking and yeah. never were exposed and being being open to stuff like that. Maybe yeah. that's like a pendulum swing and the things that they lacked to educate 
you on you have the opportunity to educate them on something else yeah yeah and and you can't get mad at them for trying to look out for you and yeah, yeah. absolutely in their mind that was what was best for us yeah. you know and i i respect that at least you know yeah. if, if i'm not gonna be mad at them for trying to look out for us yeah. so whatever um but yeah i'm i'm uh all out of ideas on the whole marijuana thing if you guys want to move on you have anything else chris <laughs> no did you want to dive back into the religion or anything at um, all um yeah. i know you had some stuff but we kind of well one thing i was going to say earlier is like at the end of the day we we don't know we, we don't know what happens we don't know where we came from you know and um but i i believe like i came from i'm a spiritual being having a human experience i i, I really believe that but um at the, at the end, I guess what what kind of hit me when you said that you just we we go off when we get buried we go off into the ground or whatever that kind of hit me like man I don't want to believe that because <laughs> that doesn't that makes me feel like comfort I'm looking forward to an afterlife you know I'm looking forward to go back to that place I came from yeah. of love you know? comfort comfort in the afterlife should yeah. be something that I think people should have the opportunity to attain you know yeah yeah it's a uh... That topic can go on for a long way. Yeah. <laughs> but if, if it works for you, that I mean, that that's awesome. So you got like Chris, who's unorthodox, I would say. <laughs> and then we have Josh. I don't know what you label yourself as. I mean, would you say you go into the ground and then a tree comes from you? And maybe that, in that, that sense, I, I find you know? more. I find so much comfort in that. So. <laughs> okay. Well. I always say it. Like, don't don't burn me. Bury me. I don't care if I have a casket or not. Just bury me. Yeah. I mean, I got a little farm, too. So I think about stuff like that all the time. <laughs> <laughs> And then, well, and I was getting to me, I'm just standard Christian, you know, but it's, it's fun having these conversations. It I is. really enjoyed it. And, um, there's a couple of times where I find myself rambling, but I ramble because I get so excited and I can't contain it, you know? So I hope it, I didn't like shut you down too much. <laughs> no, not even that was a really good time. Um, is there, are there any other topics that interest you that you might want to touch on before we try to close up? I just like, I wanted to ask both of you guys one thing. And I guess you can ask me the same thing. This is, um, I guess, start with you, Blue. What's the biggest mistake you've ever made in your life mm. that you've grown or learned from? That I've grown in? I think, like, if I had to just spit it out just right now, I'd probably just say, like, thinking that I knew it all when I was growing up. Yeah. I was so confident in the fact that I knew it was best for me and stuff, but I was so small-minded that it affected my life a little too much in the in the long run, you know? If maybe it's not my fault that I wasn't raised like that, but thinking that I that I knew all the answers and what was best for myself and all that stuff just just hurt me and it hurt people around me. Wow. Yeah, Man, that's pretty good. What about you? Oh, like a like a situation that happened or just can any, I, anything? I guess. That, can that, I make a list? That, <laughs> anything that built your character to where you are now? The biggest mistake. Right, I mean, I think we just all learn from our mistakes, and that's that adversity is what what carries us on to like become our straight, our strongest personality traits. You know, that's a tough question, honestly. Oh, I know it is. It's very tough, very tough. Like I said, I like to make a list. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> I'm real hard on myself, you know, and I, and I know, like right now, like I'm not perfect, and I just I'm still full of mistakes. Like I have, like I was talking about vices. I have things I lean on and bad habits and stuff well i mean is there anything you've done where it's created like a serious setback for something that you wanted to achieve i got in a car wreck one time yeah and it was a big mistake yeah it's shoot i hate talking about it because I, a lot of people don't know but yeah i was drinking I, right. was, I was drinking and driving and that it screwed up my credit 
Yeah, and uh, it, it did it did like a lot of bad to me, but I mean I overcame it and I came. Uh, it made me a better person, I guess. Yeah. You know, but yeah, and a lot of people don't know I was drinking and driving because I right. was. I even I guess I even lied to a lot of people saying that oh I wasn't drinking and I kind of hate talking about it on this podcast. Right, but, right, well, for sure. It was it was yeah. uh, over ten years ago, so it's all good now. But yeah, yeah. that was my, one of my biggest mistakes was drinking and driving. Yeah, that's a big one. Yeah, and um, you. Mine was definitely letting, you know, a substance, I guess you could say, take over my life in a sense that I don't have control. Of, I'm, I've always been priding myself on having control over my mind and my body. Even if I'm like, whether I'm in the best shape or I'm in a bad mind state, I'm still completely aware of it usually. Mm-hmm. And letting something else take over and run my life in that sense, as somebody who really was confident in being fully control of a situation. Yeah. I just lost control. Yeah. Completely lost control. And I lost a lot of things on the way, but I mean, I'm, I'm better now than I ever was before. Right. That's and my awesome. outlook is better now. And, you know, I just, it's like, how far can I take this? You, you really jacked me up with that question. <laughs> <laughs> because now, I wanted to be totally honest. Yeah. It's and, hard. And I didn't want to, like, I was like, you know, I'm just going to say hard. it. I'm going to be driving home mistakes. thinking about this now. <laughs> it's your fault, man. <laughs> but I like it. I'm glad you asked it. Yeah. I, I, I heard something, man, I forget, this guy's name's Max, last name's Maxwell, but he said when you sit down with somebody that you really care about their opinion on, you should always ask them, who should I know? <laughs> and I started thinking, like, who do I know that everybody should know? You know, that's that's a crazy, yeah. that's a crazy question. Like, do you know somebody so important that I think Blue should know this person, or I think Chris should know this person, let me introduce you? Like well, if you find them, let me know. Yeah, like, sure. like, no. What do you mean? Like, like, let me introduce you to somebody who affected me. Their perspective oh. affected me, and I guess you're, that's what you're doing through podcasts more so than anything. Like telling yeah. everybody this is somebody you should know. Yeah, you know, uh-huh. that, that's like just a really cool thought. Um, to you're asking us that. Well, no, I'm we saying don't. I'm just saying that I heard that the other day, oh, okay. and what you guys are doing yeah. is that example of, oh, okay. of like more of a widespread thing mm-hmm. because yeah. it's important, like. You know, you talk about surrounding yourself with people. Yeah. There's people you haven't met that you need to surround yourself with. Yeah, yeah. yeah right. All of us. We are very um, social, me and Chris. We would like to meet anybody that can yeah. spread positivity and just, and that kind of like brings me back to the mission of the podcast. Um, we didn't talk about it before, but um, I really admire that you put all your thoughts out there on Facebook all the time. Right. It's a powerful platform, and then I think it should be used for positivity. And you do that. And I really appreciate that from you, that you share those thoughts. And for me, it takes a lot of energy to type on my phone. And I try to, like, get in on it, but I just, I'm not good at it. But um, for sure, I wanted to talk about that. And I don't know, like, if you have, like, you've said it briefly that you have a kind of like a rough past, kind of. Like, you weren't too happy about some of the things you've done. But now, when I look at where you are now... I really admire that you've grown and that you've discovered mindfulness. Right. And I hope that people that are listening to the podcast can definitely listen to that this conversation and be like, maybe I should look into mindfulness. If this podcast like affected like one person that way, totally yeah. worth yeah, it to me. Absolutely. And that's what I was talking about, like affecting that, that small ripple effect. Like who is that ripple effect going to touch? Uh, how far out on the water, you know? And so definitely want to touch on the mission while we're here. Mm-hmm. That's positive for me. Your conversations are positive for me because um, things that you have said on like your social media have made me reflect too. And it's made, and when I reflect and I actually pinpoint like an issue, 
I grow on it and it becomes something like I, it's like I'm putting something in my toolbox. I'm like, oh yeah, he's talking about this. I do think about this. And this is how I feel about it. Putting it into words in your own head is very important. Right. So you've definitely helped me discover like certain issues. Um, and that's, like I said, what's positive for me. You know? Awesome. Would you say being mindful uh, got you over that mistake? Uh, how, how, how to help you get off of that substance or whatever? Right. You right. And, and being mindful is the key factor for the progress for me. And now, like, my perspective is, like I was saying earlier, being mindful has helped me focus on what my ultimate goals are, what my perspective is, is that these things are just small stepping stones as yeah. to where I'm trying to go. And that's why I kind of was thinking about the mistake you made, we made the mistakes we make, and the stepping stone that that is. We don't even have to really, I mean, obviously, it, it's an example was that you guys are so far moved on from whatever that mistake was. Yeah, yeah. You know, all of us are moved on from the mistakes we make. Nobody can dwell on that. And it's just when you're, pre- you, when you're present, you're not dwelling in your past. That's, I mean that, that's a fact that that goes to a good point well you kind of already answered it but what what would you tell somebody a hundred years from now they, they tapped into this podcast somehow they're listening to you and they're on they're addicted maybe they're on a substance what would what would be some advice you would say to them I would say that wasting your energy giving power to anything that isn't positive and progressive progressive is a waste of time and that means even in the sense where you always are telling yourself well i'm an addict no you're not you're this powerful person who just happened to be addicted to something for a period of time that's over it's time to move forward it's time to move on with your life and start can keep this ball rolling keep this direction going and don't let those things get in your way anymore i i think that's powerful because even in a hundred years people could be wondering like what were people thinking about like this problem that chris mentioned and if you you're saying that right now, that's like us writing a book, right. you know, on this podcast. Right. They can go back and listen to these words and be like, even a hundred years ago, <laughs> Joshua Cox yeah. was saying this, and yeah. it holds true. You know, it's going to help us learn and grow. So that's yeah. I think it's really powerful. Yeah, it's awesome. But on that note, do you want to go ahead and wrap it up? Uh, yeah. I yeah. guess so. Yeah. Is there anything I like, else you want to talk about? I just want to finish on that positive note. That's yeah. I think that was really that's good. A, that's, that's awesome. Good, be mindful. Yeah. And be, be mindful. Be, what do you think the be name pre- of this podcast should be? Be mindful, but be in the moment, or what? Man, you had one earlier. You got to go back. You said this is what this podcast should be about. Yeah, I think it was living the moment. Yeah, living the that? moment, and I yeah, think that's important. Being mindful. I let you. You're always good at picking the names. <laughs> yeah, that's awesome, though. I was I was looking for my ten questions of the Reds earlier. That's what I was. Oh, okay. <laughs> I, I found them though. I found them. So should we end it on that? Yeah, we'll hit All right. ten questions. Josh knows the rest. Yeah. Oh, you've you've heard this before, right? Well, oh, oh, it's basically how we end our podcast is um, we ask 10 fun questions of the res. There's oh, okay. no right or wrong answer. Oh, gotcha, gotcha. And whatever, whatever cool. comes to your mind, just think. Real quick. Yeah. Are these questions for me? Yeah, yeah for you. Oh, okay. All He's right. got to answer as quick as he can. But, um, okay. So, first question. East LA or Old Road? Old Road. All day. Awesome. Uh, windows or Broken Arrow? Oh, man. I'm an old Windows standby crew. I got to go with Windows. We didn't even talk about that. You work. You're a, you're a chef too. Right? Yeah, exactly. yeah. Man, maybe we have to have you back on another podcast. Yeah, I'll cook. Uh, okay, hunting or fishing? Hunting. Tribal store or casino? Patchy Chambers on it. Tribal center. Club Forty Nine or an actual feast Forty Nine? Hey, I'm not allowed, so I gotta go with the club. <laughs> Stuffed fry bread or fry bread with a bowl of chili? Ah, oh, man, fry bread and chili. 
my favorite thing about Mescalero is uh, the culture. Culture. I am most thankful for um, progress. Your fa- favorite holiday? Thanksgiving. Um, I am Joshua Cox, and I love positive people. Positive people. Awesome. All right. That's 10 fun questions of the Reds, ladies and gentlemen. Once again, thank you all for tuning for listening to Riding on the Wall podcast. We'll talk to you all next time. Uh, thank you, guys. Mescalero. As you probably know by now, you're listening to a podcast. You get a chance for some of the unique stories out there um, to be heard and, if anything, inspire our community.